Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Monday edition of Sports Call, live on Tiger 95.9, sportscallauburn.com, the Sports Call podcast. We've got a lot to talk about today, the day after uh, the tournament selection show and that was expected but then a lot of unexpected over the last 24 hours in major league baseball with the atlanta braves and the nfl with tom brady and uh oh yeah earlier in the weekend with lsu and college basketball there is a lot to get to i will surely forget some of it that's why tom peavy and javon cutler joined me today to help keep me straight on everything going on this weekend and tom uh this time of year, two years ago, the world was shutting down. Yep. We were not, we were losing all the sports. We were shutting down. Two years later, not a thing is quiet. Everything is busy. Yeah. Well, and when you left out that just happened today, South Carolina basketball. Frank so Martin. Frank oh, Martin. yeah. Mike White going to Georgia. Mike White going to Georgia. Frank Martin leaving, uh, or I guess South Carolina parting ways with, uh, with Frank Martin, you know, very well known head coach. So, so much stuff going on. Um, in in the Auburn world, um, Braves, Yankees, uh, you know, with a former Brave and Josh Donaldson, former Auburn Tiger, former Atlanta Brave, Josh Donaldson heading to the Yankees. So, a lot of that going on. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's been a it's been a busy busy weekend. Uh, I first I, I got to give a special um, shout out to my buddy Chewy, uh, a friend of mine that. Uh, uh, loves him some wrestling, and they had a wrestling show over in Columbus, Georgia, this past weekend. And it was first chance to ever get to go and watch wrestling live. And uh, I got to see him uh, Saturday night after after they got done, and he was so excited and and just telling everybody about his time watching wrestling. Had his a uh, he's a Georgia fan, um, and I don't hold that against him. I used to be a Georgia fan too, but uh, he's a huge uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin fan. So he had a shirt that said Georgia three sixteen on it, uh, and had the uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin logo on the back. So, uh, big shout out to to my guy Chewy, man. I'm, I'm glad you had a good time. I know he's out there listening right now. But uh, sports wise, yeah, man, just so much stuff going on. Uh, where do we begin? Um, Where do you want to begin? Gosh, I don't know. I th- let's try and look back the best we can. Let's go chronologically back right. before we can move to today and move forward. Uh, Got to start with Auburn. Right. Let's start with uh, college basketball as well. Um, Auburn getting ousted in the first round. I know this is kind of negative stuff here to start off the program, but we gotta we gotta talk about everything. Uh, Auburn losing to Texas A and M on Friday. Of course, Texas A and M would go on to then thump Arkansas on Saturday, lose to Tennessee on Sunday, and then be become the biggest snub of the NCAA tournament. We'll get into that part of the conversation as well. Right. Uh, but first and foremost, Tom, your thoughts 
on Auburn's rough display on Friday and uh, trying to stay a little bit away from their tournament bracket, but also still hanging on to that two seed, not dropping to three or anything like that. Actually was the number uh, one two seed. They were ranked as the fifth overall seed, right. which makes you wonder what would have happened if they'd won a couple games. But then it makes you think, well, not much happened for other SEC teams by winning games. So anyway, your thoughts on the SEC tournament as a whole in Auburn? Uh, yeah, the main thought is uh, Auburn couldn't throw it in the ocean from a boat. Uh, I mean, that was just that's that's the story of that game. Auburn just could not shoot the ball. But again, it's not something that is new. This team does not shoot the three very well at all, and they have shown that. Now, they have had glimpses where they can shoot it, but overall, this is not a good three-point shooting team. And lately, they have been even more ice cold uh, than even earlier in the season. And one thing is defenses have realized uh, through watching plenty of tape, I'm sure, that they know what Auburn they know what Auburn's strength is on on offense, and they take that away. Um, they double the ball down low. They play uh, they they play inside to out defense. They basically do everything they can to take away Walker Kessler and take away Jabari Smith, the two bigs on the inside. They force Auburn to kick that around and ha- and keep it out on the perimeter and have to take a three. Auburn understands that. They, they and that's why everybody's wondering, you know, why in the world would you shoot 36 three-pointers? Well, yeah, this team has absolutely no business shooting 36 three-pointers. That that is a recipe for a loss just about any time when you when this team is bad at shooting as they are shoot 36. Um you've got to just you just have to start knocking some of those down, especially the open looks. I I can get it the contested looks those are difficult, but man, when you when you have great ball movement and you get that open look, you've got to be able to knock some of those down. Finally, Wendell Green, he he got hot right there towards the end of the game, but by that time Auburn had dug too big of a hole and they just ran out of time on on the comeback. Um, but it, you know, yeah, if Auburn is, if Auburn is going to have any sort of a hope to progress far into this NCAA tournament bracket, they've they the guards uh, have got to start scoring better. They've they've got to start hitting outside shots because everybody's going to take away the inside. That that's just what they're going to do. They're going to force Auburn to shoot it, and they've got to start making some of these baskets. Um, you can't have another production or lack of production like Katie Johnson had. I mean, obviously, his, the worst game of his career, one of the statistically worst games that you will see um, from Katie Johnson. We know he's a lot more capable than that, so I think that's just an anomaly during that game. But you obviously got to get more production from him. Wendell Green, we need to see him light it up earlier in the game like he did in the fourth quarter. And not the fourth quarter, the second half. Um you know, Zepp Jasper, he's got to get more productive. I mean, they, these guys that are going to be your shooters, they're going to have to start scoring in loads, and maybe that will loosen defenses up, which will then open back up that inside game. But that that was the big kicker. They're very disappointing. Um, I I hate to st- I I hate to sound like such a Debbie Downer, but I it didn't really surprise me. Um, it was disappointing, but I was not surprised because it kind of goes back to trends that I saw with this team developing back a month or so ago when, when they were still just sitting on one loss. I started seeing some trends developing that were troubling to me, and they've they've really kind of manifested themselves even more down the stretch. And so, you you know, right now you've, you've gone five and four in your last nine games. 
and early exit from the SEC tournament with just an absolutely horrid shooting performance. They got to get it fixed because uh, obviously now is when it matters because it's one and done. I mean, you lose, you're done, and, and and it could happen to Jacksonville State. Everybody's just giving this game to Auburn, but we've seen big upsets before. I mean, the the game of basketball is kind of itself just a great neutralizer when you just got five on five. If they get hot and they have a hot three point shooter, they've got the uh, in the A Sun. Um, I think he led the he led the A Sun in three points. Uh, if Auburn's ice cold and they're hot, Jacksonville State could get that upset. It, it has it has happened before, and if Auburn's not careful, they could be one of those that make headlines for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, two fifteen is where you know I, I think I was seeing um, I was seeing the percentages of of upsets, and two fifteen is obviously quite low, but. It's far different than one sixteen. One sixteen's happened one time, just yeah. one time. If you're a one. If you're a one, I, I, that's as close to sure thing as you can get in, in March. Yeah. Uh, two fifteen is still a very high probability, and three fourteen is along with it. But it has happened. It's happened a couple handfuls of times. Uh, I think of Norfolk State beating uh, Missouri out of the SEC. Right. I think of um, um, Duke losing to Lehigh. CJ McCollum. It's always a hot guard. And I think Oral Roberts was a 14 when they made a Sweet 16 last year. I don't, right. don't quote me on that one. But, um, you know, you have to pay attention to everybody for sure. And if Auburn does lose early in the tournament, not necessarily 215, but say in the round of 32, then it'll be easy to say that the team ended up that it just kind of plateaued about 20 games into the season, um, that it, it got to a really high point with the team and they got really good. And then they just kind of flatline from there because uh, of the shooting in particular, like you mentioned, Auburn on the season at 32% as a team from three, that is 263rd in the country. And that's not really what we've ever seen. Because, and honestly, we've always had a problem uh, when we look at an Auburn team, there's always been a problem maybe of shot selection with threes. It's usually guys that will pull up and, and either take a lot of threes or take deep threes or just, just have an offense built around threes. But for so much of this year, the story was not about the three-point shooting. The three-point shooting was never elite this year. It was okay to start the year, but it was right. never as good as any of their pr- previous teams. But they were able to score in so many different ways that they were not needing to make a lot of threes. Well, now, later in the season – They've been taking more threes at times, and they've had uh, a lot less success making those threes. Mm-hmm. And against, I mean, we all saw it against Texas A&M. That's about as bad as a team can shoot the basketball. They were under 20% uh, for a lot of that game as a team. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I, it's hard to shoot that bad again. I think that's the good news. Is I mean, they, even that's well below your average there. Uh, but it's a team that's just clearly not a good shooting team, and I think that's what showed up against Sex A&M. Now, the, if you want to discern some positives, I think a positive is that despite shooting an ungodly percentage, they never quit. They didn't lose by 16 like Arkansas did right. at Texas A&M. They kept the defense alive, kept the game in the 60s, and they did have a brief flicker of hope there towards the end when Wendell Green Jr. hit a couple threes. 
Um, so I think the good news is this defense is for real. They are a good defensive team. Sure. It travels. It's going to keep them in games. But in close games, can they make that three? When they finally get an open look, can they make that three? Can they make that jumper? Because teams are doing a good job defending Wendell Green and Walker Kessler now on the pick and roll. That was right. such a lethal play. Yeah. That's part of the reason why they're having more trouble from the perimeter is because they're not getting as much stuff down low, and that play in particular has been taken away a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, if you go through and you look at the stats from that game, Auburn, Auburn did fine everywhere else. Uh, they they forced uh, they forced a lot more turnovers than they turned it over. They won the rebound battle. Uh, you know, the defensively, yeah, defensively was fine. I mean, they they did everything on the stats that you could ask for. But that that outside shooting, which they felt it felt like that they had to almost rely on. I don't want to say exclusively, but a lot more. I mean, I mean, obviously, thirty six threes. That's a lot. That's a lot of attempts, and that was it. That was the story of the game. They just couldn't shoot threes. Everything else that they did in the game was fine. They did everything perfect in that game to win. But you just had an absolutely horrid 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 shooting day from outside and that cost them and 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 unfortunately that's kind of been uh the story with this team even in these losses is that it's they haven't had just a full meltdown that there's not been a game that you just sit there and kind of throw your hands up and it's like you know what you just got your butts just beat up and down the court and it was just one of those meltdown type games everyone they've been in you look at that loss to Arkansas. What killed them on that? Free throws. They they literally all they had to do is hit one or two free throws in regulation, and it doesn't. And and they win that game. Um, Tennessee. Uh, some turnovers. Turnovers kind of uh, cost Auburn in that one. So it feels like these losses are just one thing. And 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 you know against Texas A and M in that it was just the three point shooting. Everything else was fine. So if they can figure out a way to just kind of put things together. They can make a deep run in this tournament. I mean, there's a reason that they were ranked number one in the country for for a portion of this season. There's a reason they went through the portion of the season with just one loss for for the majority of it. Um, they have the talent. They have the depth. They they have one of the best players, if not the best player in college basketball, on the floor. Uh, they they're loaded with talent. They are loaded with depth. They are still the team that. We all know that they can be, but they, they have just been getting tripped up by usually one thing. And so if they just if they could just clean that up and I mean they don't have to be a great three point shooting team, but if they can just do enough, uh just do enough to open that offense up and allow that inside stuff, then they should be fine. Let's go to the Auburn Bank phone line real quickly, eight eight seven thirty four one locally, toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine. Matt from Auburn. Matt joins us. Matt, how are you doing? Uh, how are you guys doing? All right. This Brent. Uh, this is Ryan and Tom. Hey, hey, hi, Tom. Hello. Hey, 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 Tom and guess and Ryan. Guess who I saw at the the softball game the other day? Who's that? Brent. Oh, Brent Daltrey. Okay. Yeah. Good deal. Yeah, like a. Yeah, he's like a. I saw him and I met him and uh, I went to the softball game. Me and my mom and dad went to the softball game to watch Auburn play softball. And then we went to Sunday to watch him play. Okay. And 
And I'm, I'm glad we won the SEC. I'm glad, I'm glad we beat that Carolina, but I'm going to talk about uh, the Auburn Texas A&M game. There was a lot of bad calls in that game against Texas A&M, especially when Smith gets the ball taken away from him. He should have shot it. And but uh, but I want I want to do some like a trivia, but but I uh, and then I, I want to ask you guys a question. What do you guys? Derek Kennedy is like a. I don't know if you guys heard of Texas A&M not going to NCAA tournament. Uh, so you know Texas A and M. I think they should have gotten an odd, but the one thing that hurt Texas A and M were the unexpected teams that earned uh, that earned their way in by winning their championship. So uh, like Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech was not going to be in the NCAA tournament, and they won the ACC tournament. So therefore, they get an automatic bid. That takes a spot away from Texas A and M. Uh, yeah. and, and then uh, you had another one. Uh, who beat Richmond? Rich, Richmond. Beat Richmond. Richmond beat Davidson. Um, Richmond was one of those that was uh, probably not going to be in the tournament, but they won their conference, so they have to go in. Well, that takes another spot away from Texas A&M. So, yeah, while Texas A&M definitely deserved to be there, uh, there were some unfortunate events, if you're an Aggie fan, that kind of cost them a couple of spots that they could have been in there with these unexpected uh, these unexpected teams that, that earned uh, automatic bids. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about, like, the Auburn-Jacksonville State game. All right. That's, my niece, that's where my niece went into soccer. She went to Jacksonville State for soccer. So I don't know who I'm going to go for. It's going to be a hard decision, but I might go for <laughs> But who who's Jacksonville State's best players on their basketball team? I don't know him by name, but I know they, that they shoot a lot of threes and make yeah, a lot of threes. They they yeah they in their conference, which is the A Sun, they have uh, they have a player who is I think he led their conference in three points uh, in three yeah. pointers. So uh, yeah, they they they've got some good players. They're not as good as Auburn. They're they're not nearly as talented as Auburn. They're definitely not as deep as Auburn. But they have some players, and 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 if these guys are knocking down threes by the boatload, and Auburn can't shoot threes like we saw against Texas A and M, then then Jacksonville State could definitely win that game. His name is uh, Darian Adams, who That's leads it. their team in scoring. There you go. Uh, so, which best player Auburn for basketball would you put him on? Uh, Green or? I, I, he's, I'm assuming he's a. I'm assuming Adams he's a is six three two hundred, so he's a he's a guard. So probably Zep Jasper. Yeah, Zep Jasper would probably be on him. And like so, I heard that LSU fired their coach, basketball coach. Missouri fired their Arkansas. Uh, Georgia, not yeah, Arkansas. Yeah, Arkansas still got theirs. They're 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 hanging on to his. They're hanging on to his or their guy. I saw some candidates for the men's basketball coach and one of them saw uh, there were the women a lady mommy uh, coach I can't think of her name right now but then Andy Kennedy you think that'd be good for Georgia? Uh, Georgia's already hired Mike White from Florida <clears throat> so Georgia will have a new head coach and it's it's going to be Mike White um, so Andy Kennedy's still at UAB right now so who so have they hit, they replaced anyone for Missouri's basketball coach yet? 
No, not yet. Now the the only one the only one that has absolutely been replaced is Mike White has left Florida to take the Georgia job. So, but now that leaves Florida with an opening. So right now you've got openings at Missouri, LSU, Florida, and then today uh, South Carolina uh, got rid of um, Frank Martin. Uh, Frank Martin, and so uh, it's four job openings right now in the SEC. Well, my score for Auburn Jacksonville State, I go. I say ninety-four to twenty-seven. Oof. Auburn. Yeah, that's pretty. Pretty. That'd be pretty lopsided, but uh, I'll take it if that happens. That means Auburn hit a lot of shots, so I'll take it. And I like. I haven't got a bracket, but I think Auburn will be on five or four. Uh, I don't know who they'll play, but I, I hope that we don't play Virginia anymore. I don't want to play Virginia. <laughs> I, I I don't think you'd have to worry about Virginia in it. Um, uh, no, Auburn's got a good chance to make a run because it sets up good. But uh, if they if they go on through and win what they're supposed to, most likely you're going to run up against a Kansas team again, and that's going to be really really tough. But before you ever even think about that, though, you need to get past Jacksonville State. So let's get through that one, and then we'll see what happens. Last, last thing for us, Matt. And then we got to let you go. Well, I was going to do the chair, but I'm going to do some uh, trivia real quick. I mean, I'll do the chair. Do you guys have any trivia for me? Uh, honestly, Matt, we do not. What, what did you want trivia of? Uh, Auburn baseball? Um, <clears throat> well, I, I don't have – I haven't – what, what, for, what former Auburn baseball player just signed with the New York Yankees? That's a good one. New York. Oh, uh, Ryan Bliss? No. He's been in the league a while. Played for the Atlanta Braves for a little while. And just signed with the New York Yankees. Got traded to the Got Yankees. traded to the Yankees, yeah. He plays first base, right? No. He plays third? Yes. Yes. He played for the Braves. He did. All right. Um... Uh, Bringer, Riley? bringer of rain. No, not Riley. Bringer of rain. Oh, okay. Uh, where's JJ at? <laughs> he is out of town right now. He's fired. <laughs> well, I'll he have to let him know that. You he ready to do the cheer? Jo- Josh, Don- Josh Donaldson, bud. Josh Donaldson is uh, oh. just got traded to the Yankees. I put the manager of the New York Mets. Is he the manager? No. No. Oh, okay. All right. All right, Matt, let's do the cheer. Okay. Five. Four. Three. Two. One. War Eagle. Hey. Beat Bama. Booyah. Booyah. Hey, I want to give a big shout to James from Montgomery, Ward Down Steve. And Matt and Auburn, Roar Eagle, and I hope we can do. I hope we can win a lot of games of football this year, and I hope that Davis be our starter for football. Well, we appreciate the phone call, Matt. We'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, I'll talk to you guys next Monday, Roar Eagle guys. Roar Eagle, that is Matt from Tallahassee. Matt for Auburn, joining us on our Auburn. Bank phone line. Let's go ahead and take our first break of the hour. It'll be a little bit of an extended break because on the other side at 3.30, 
about five, six minutes from now, we'll have Jason Caldwell inside the Auburn Tigers to join us on the show. Talk a little Auburn baseball and Auburn basketball. This is Sports Call on Tiger Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. Welcome back to Auburn's first, Auburn's favorite sports talk show. It's Sports Call on this Monday afternoon, a very busy Monday afternoon. Ryan Lavoy, Tom Peavy with you here today, filling in for J.J. Jackson. Javon Cutler will join us in a few minutes, but for now we're going to go to our Auburn Bank phone line and meet up with Jason Caldwell of Inside the Auburn Tigers. Jason, uh, obviously uh, this has been a very busy weekend in the world of sports, but also around Auburn. And you've been doing some color commentary the last couple weekends. How have you enjoyed that for Auburn baseball? Yeah, it's been fun. I enjoy doing it. I've done some in the past before, but me and, you know, me and Brad Law have a history of doing radio together back when we used to do our own, you know, inside the Auburn Tigers radio. And so um, it's been a lot of fun. Enjoyed it. Um, you know, hopefully – have a chance to do a little bit more down the road. If so, that would mean a, a deep run by the Auburn basketball Tigers. So uh, that would be uh, that would that would definitely make it worthwhile. And we will talk a lot of Auburn basketball here in a moment. But since we're already on baseball, uh, disappointing weekend this weekend, I guess against MTSU, winning one out of three. The team had been firing on all cylinders prior to that. What do you make of these first few weekends here for Auburn baseball? Yeah, you know, I think that a lot of it is trying to kind of position yourself for the Southeastern Conference. And I think some of that has been, you know, from a pitching standpoint, uh, they they moved some guys to midweeks to try to, you know, get those guys a little bit more work in starting roles. And we saw that with Thomas Sheehan. We saw it with Mason Barnett last weekend. And so you do that. And then, you know, you had, quite honestly, two starts where you, neither starter gets, out of the, you know, to the second inning. And Joseph Gonzalez, because of a blister, and Jordan Armstrong just struggled right out of the gate. Uh, and so it, it, I think it, it really pushed them to the limit in terms of pitching just because knowing that you, you're starting an SEC series on Thursday this week. So uh, that made it a little tougher. And, you know, get Sonny share back for a few swings on Sunday. Brooks Carlson still kind of getting back to, you know, feeling it after being out for a while with a, with a kind of a hairline fracture in his thumb. So, um, you know, for them it's just about kind of getting all hands on deck and getting everybody in the same – they're moving in the same direction and – um, hopefully this week they'll have a chance to do that when Ole Miss comes to town uh, beginning Thursday. 
Yeah, and and you mentioned uh you mentioned that Ole Miss game. Obviously, going to be a tough task. I think Auburn or uh, Ole Miss still ranked number two. I think in some of the polls, if I'm if I've seen correctly. But uh, I mean, just how tough once we now get into SEC play, how tough is this going to be for Auburn? Yeah, it's a uh, it's pretty brutal. It's, it's a gaunt, at, it's a gauntlet. That is, it's you know people look at you, know, you look at the, you know football and you look at those things and you go, man, it's 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 a it's a meat grinder in football. To me, there's nothing that measures up to the difficulty of playing in this league in baseball, um, just because of the depth of the league. I mean, you look at Ole Miss um, right out of the gate at Texas A&M, and then you get you know a road trip to LSU. That's two top ten teams you've already played. Oh yeah, let's go week four, play another top ten team in Vanderbilt. Week five, play another top ten team in Mississippi State. Then you play South Carolina. And then Tennessee, who may be as good as anybody in the country, ranked in the top 20. And then another top 10 team in Arkansas, you know, Alabama, Kentucky, finish it off. I, I, it's just, it's, it, you just try to keep your head above water. And, and, you know, for this team, I think it's about can you find a way to, to, to get off to a good start, um, you know, get some of those wins. You know, for me, the key is Mason Barnett. He's a guy that has probably the most ability of anybody on this pitching staff. They've done some tweaking with him and trying to find a different release point, doing some different things. And if he's a guy that can get you started, you know, right out of the gate on a Thursday night or a Friday night and, and get the ball to, to Blake Burkhalter at the end, then, man, it just sets the weekend off in a different face. But, man, yeah, it's, it's as difficult as it gets playing baseball in this league. And, and Jason, when you look at the league, we talk about that schedule, 30 games, all of them are going to be hotly contested. What would you think? I know this can be a bit of arbitrary approach, but what kind of record would you look at at the end of thirty games in SEC play and say, you know what, Auburn really battled and did a good job through there? Yeah, I'm mean, to be quite honest. I think if you're if you're anything above five hundred in this league this year, you're going to have a chance to host a regional. I mean, at sixteen and fourteen, you're probably going to have a chance to be a regional host. If if you go seventeen and thirteen in this league, you may have a chance to be a national seed. That's how good. Uh, this league is going to be from top to bottom this year. So I think if you're Auburn, it's just trying to trying to get to that. You know, to quite honest, try to get to that 500 mark and then and then see where you can go from there. That's the goal. Um, that's easily in an NCAA tournament, and it kind of it kind of reminds me a little bit of kind of like the way a track and field tournament sets up, where it's harder to win this league than it would be to win a national championship. It's just it's just going to be more difficult because of the grind it takes. You know, we saw a few years ago Auburn. You know, they make it to the College World Series. A couple of bad breaks there. They're in the winners bracket in, in Omaha. Um, a team that that you know had to go on the road both regionals. Um, to me, it's much more difficult to try to win this league than it is to try to get to Omaha and maybe win a national championship. So um, it's just a matter of grinding it out and, uh, and seeing if you can do enough to, to host a regional. There you go. We're talking with Jason Caldwell from inside the Auburn Tigers. Jason, switching over to the basketball side of things. Obviously, uh, one and done in the SEC tournament, not what Auburn was hoping for. Uh, obviously, that game at three-point shooting was the big thing. Were there anything uh, Were there anything else in that game that really kind of stuck out to you that maybe was part of Auburn's downfall, or was it just an absolutely horrid three-point shooting deal? Yeah, I think it's, it's shooting. It's, to me... I just look at the numbers, the numbers of threes attempted for this team, and it, it just it just 
it's just too many for me. Uh, you yeah. know, I know you, you want to shoot it. It's part of what you do as a team. It's part of the way basketball is played now. But not thirty six times. Yeah, I just see thirty six <laughs> is too many. Um, yeah. That happens when you're chasing. You're, you're chasing, right. and you start to take some of those shots. And I, I think, I think patience is really important for this team. You play real good defense. You know, you, you want to rebound. I, I still come back to that. To me, I still come back to extra pass and rebounding. This team is such a much better offensive team in transition than they are half court. That starts with getting a rebound and getting a transition to go. And so, to me, I still think it's defense and rebounding. And then not settling. Don't settle for the first shot you get. Right. Make sure get a get a get the best shot you can get. And I think when you do that, then then this is a team that is formidable, has a chance to to play with anybody and beat anybody, even on nights when you don't shoot it great. Then then you're you're having a different offensive approach. And so I, I'd really like to see the mentality of this team of like, hey, go get every rebound that comes off the board, offense, defense, whatever. Um, and then live with the results after that. Yeah, and and now uh, obviously the SEC tournament is, is in the past, but uh, you've got uh, the NCAA bracket that's come out. It looks like a bracket that sets up pretty well for Auburn, uh, in, especially in the first two rounds. Uh, what do you see with that bracket as far as Auburn goes? Yeah, I think it, it sets up very well. You're right. This, you know, you have to take care of business, and, sure. and that's that, that's where it starts with everything. But, you know, that's the Jacksonville State team that if you're Auburn, if you go out and, and play well, you should win that game. I mean, there's no question about it. Um, you do that and, and you get either USC or Miami. I've watched a lot of USC basketball this year, being a late night, you know, stay up and watch those teams. I've done a lot of that. And, and you know, I look at Miami, and Miami is a team that played fairly well, but in a what I think is a pretty weak ACC. Now they were fourteen and five, twenty three and ten overall. They did some good things, but they also have some some pretty rough losses. When you look at them, Alabama beat Miami by thirty two this year. Now, it was in November, um, and, and you know teams change and, and are a lot different after that. But you know they lost to a pretty depleted Florida State team twice this year. Um, you know, and so I look at Miami and I go, yeah, I think that's the team that has done some good things. The thing about them is they'll be coached really well. Um, you know that. That's Jim Laranaga. They're going to be coached extremely well. And then USC won 26 games. Not a real physical team. They're, to me, they're more of a, a finesse-type team. Even their big man is a guy that wants to step out and shoot threes. Now, he'll be a first-rounder. Um, him, you know, be an interesting matchup with him. But I, I think it's two, obviously, very winnable teams if you're Auburn. But you know, it depends on how you play. If you go out and and, and you're you know four for twenty five threes at one point in the game, you're you're, you're going to struggle no matter who it is. And that that starts at Jacksonville State. That's a team that can shoot threes. They can make you pay. Um, and so if you're Auburn, it's just you know go out and and I think the break helps. Um, right. I think looking back on it, seeing that nothing that happened in Tampa really impacted seeding one way or the other. I think if you're Auburn and you go, you know you're not winning the tournament, say, hey, here's here's your choices. You can make it to Sunday and not win it or lose the first game. I think you take lose the first game all day long with Walker Kessler banged up, trying to get healthy, knowing that it wouldn't have impacted you anyway. And so um, we'll see if it works out in Auburn's favor. It has for teams before. Um, 
when then they you know get a little bit extra rest is never a bad thing. Obviously, not trying to advance Auburn all the way to the Elite Eight just for the fun of it because we know. Uh, it's going to be difficult. Every game's a challenge, and also this could end up on the other side of the bracket not working out that way at all. But if Auburn were to make the Elite Eight and they see number one seed Kansas, um, comparing Kansas to the other one seeds, how do you feel about that matchup? Again, taking nothing for granted, this thing could end in the first round. It could end in the last round. But uh, if Auburn and Kansas were to meet up in the Elite Eight, how do you like that matchup for Auburn, comparatively speaking, to the other number one seeds? Yeah, I think if you look at it, um, you know, Kansas is a team that's played really well. But the one thing that I keep coming back to from Kansas is watching them at home against Kentucky. Yeah, and I got Kentucky smoked. just run rough shot over them. And now, um, again, teams change during the year. This Auburn basketball team is a much different team than it was in January. And you've seen Kansas kind of kind of hit their stride a little bit, um, you know, down the stretch. But um, Ote Abaji is, is the guy that – would be a very, very difficult matchup for Auburn just because of, you know, what he does and, you know, that versatility outside. I mean, he's, you know, he's a talented player um, at 6'5", 215. That would be an Allen Flanagan, Devin Cambridge. It'd be very, very difficult to Auburn to play small against him. Um, that's the thing about Kansas is, is they've got they've got some length and size, um, you know, outside – um, you know, some big guys inside as always. Mitch Lightfoot is, is you know six eight that can you know step out of the perimeter and do some stuff. So um, it's just all about matchups. And um, but I think Auburn, Kansas would be a fun one if you can get there. I mean, I think Auburn Wisconsin would be a, a very interesting matchup if you get where to get that one in the Sweet Sixteen. I mean, uh, there's some some fun games potentially if Auburn can uh, can find the rhythm again. Jason, where do you stand on the hot-button topic of the bubble as far as Texas A&M? Do you feel they should have been in the NCAA tournament? I think at the end of the year, they were one of the best teams in the country. But that's also a team that lost 9 out of 10 games in a stretch during the season. Um, it, you know, I kind of, it's, kind of, it's kind of like my, my thoughts on, you know, if you expanded to 16 teams, then 17 and 18 are going to get really mad. People are like, well, expand it. Well, then the, the bubble is always going to move. There's always going to feel like, you know what, you should have done more. And so they left it in the hands of a search committee. Um, and, and, you know, those losses during the year um, impacted them. And so it's one of those things I look at. It, it doesn't make much sense to me that Rutgers and Michigan and some of these other teams get in over them. Um I think I think the steadiness of Texas A&M down the stretch and some of their wins were probably looked better on paper. I think Michigan and Rutgers probably had some better overall wins during the year than they did, and that probably made the biggest difference. Yep. Talking with Jason Caldwell from inside the Auburn Tigers. Jason, we've done let's see baseball, basketball, softball's doing softball had a sweep. They're doing great. Gymnastics uh, getting ready to start SECs. Tennis is winning. Golf is winning. Now we got spring football, you know, as if there wasn't anything else going on around campus right now. Uh, spring football getting started. Just your thoughts. Uh, is the controversy behind Harson, or is it that cloud still lingering? Just kind of what are your thoughts as Auburn gets ready to open spring practices? Yeah, I think, you know, you once you get back on the field, then, then you, you control everything. And now it's, it's back to football. Um, get moving, get forward. And, and, you know, you got a five-man quarterback battle that's going yeah. on this spring. It's going to be – Kind of the 
the, I won't say the hot button topic, but it's absolutely what you look at in this in terms of this one going. Everybody's going to be focusing on that. Um, so I think that's where it starts. Um, is is everybody focusing on a five man quarterback battle? How quickly can you get that narrowed down um, to a workable group of probably three? Um, I would guess. Um, but you know, new coordinators on both sides of the ball. What kind of changes will we see on offense and defense? I mean, there's so much to take in in 15 days to get prepared for summer and then a season. There's a whole lot of work to be done. Uh, Jason, just over there on the website, uh, as far as message boards and just kind of interactions, it, it almost feels like it almost feels like nobody cares about spring practice right now. And it used to be like the thing. Everybody's like, yes, football's starting back up with spring. It just feels like nobody cares. Are, are you? Do you feel that way uh, through the interactions on the website? Or, or do, is there some legit excitement about Auburn football getting started for the spring? Yeah, I, it, here, to be quite honest, it's it's out of sight, out of mind. And, you know, yeah. we, haven't, we haven't spoken to Brian Harson other than a trip to, to Mobile for the Senior Bowl. We haven't spoken to Brian Harson. You know, since the bowl game, right? Since we were in Birmingham, and um, you know, Auburn fans, you know, always they enjoy reading about football, and that's the thing. But when you're not talking about football, when you're not talking to, you know, we haven't talked to the new assistants yet. We're supposed to get those guys uh, coordinators this week, assistants next week, which will be really beneficial. Um, but it's just been really quiet, and when it's really quiet, then you move on to other things, and that's been basketball for Auburn this year. It's kind of dominated things. Now that we get going, you'll see that, that I think the football interest pick up. But it's been it's been really because it's been kind of out of sight, out of mind right now. Jason Caldwell of Inside the Auburn Tigers joining us here on this Monday edition of Sports Call. Jason, we appreciate the time. What do you have up next on on Inside the Auburn Tigers? I assume a lot of NCAA tournament stuff. Yep, uh, Mark and Nathan will be on the road um, for basketball this weekend. Uh, I'll be here for football. Um, you got Junior Day coming up Saturday with some kids on campus. Obviously, baseball opening this weekend, SEC play. Heading out to practice this afternoon. We'll have a viewing window here shortly. So, photo gallery, some videos from practice. Uh, Ryan Harson tonight. Uh, like I said, coordinators tomorrow. If you're, if you're, if this is the time when people ask you, what's the busiest time of year? And they always, they always assume it's in the fall. No, this week. This is the busiest time. <laughs> year when you cover college athletics is when you have that combination of you know NCAA tournament basketball baseball softball and spring football it, uh, it's plenty to keep everybody busy and entertained well we do appreciate the time Jason we'll talk to you again down the road thanks guys Jason thanks, Caldwell of inside the Auburn Tigers joining us here on the Monday edition of Sports Call. It's busy everywhere. It's busy in the world of Auburn. It's busy in the world of college basketball, the, the world of NFL even. Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball with, with free agency. It, you don't have two major sports having free agency at the same time, no. but because of the lockout for MLB, you got news coming in from Schefter and Rosenthal no. and all that at the same time. So, and, of course, the Atlanta Braves aren't involved in anything right now. Never are. <laughs> <laughs> so we will get to all that and more at Birthdays and Sports coming up to close out hour number one. This is Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. 
I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. One final segment of hour number one here on the Monday edition of Sports Call. Good talk with Jason Caldwell of Inside the Auburn Tigers. And you mentioned it, Tom, in a question to him. But, yeah, we're not talking much spring ball right now as it gets ready to start. There'll be big questions for this team. But uh, at the same time, there's just so much going on. And it's not even – it's Auburn-related. I mean, Auburn doesn't have a lot of teams this good in basketball. You know, I mean, Uh, this is a historic team in a sense. And uh, as you mentioned, baseball has still got a lot of optimism. Softball out to a 24-1 and start, yep. swept Texas A&M this weekend. I had the opportunity to be on the call for it. Um, and so there's a lot of good things happening with Auburn. and it's Gymnastics. I mean, you've you got, yeah, you got an all-time S- team with them. you got, you know, got. Sunisa Lee here, the, you know, the reigning Olympic gold medalist. Now, they, they had a – they had a rough go of it uh, up in Michigan over the weekend. Uh, in fact, Suni Lee comes out on Twitter and, and you know, kind of says, you know, I'm not going to be at my best every single time. And, and yeah, it was a rough one up there against a high uh, top ranked Michigan team. But uh, gymnastics still good. They're they're uh, I think there's a three seed in the SEC tournament or championship or whatever they call it that's sure. getting ready to crank up. So uh, we'll see what happens there. But yeah, gymnastics is killing it. Golf is winning. Tennis is winning. Uh, everything's winning and everybody's kind of talking about all the other stuff and then all of a sudden it was like I saw a story and said something about spring football I'm like oh my gosh I I had no idea that it was even starting up I mean that's how little I have paid attention to it and according to Jason Caldwell it's kind of how little a lot of the fans and the writers have even been looking at it just about three or four minutes left here in hour number one so we're going to go ahead and do a segment we do each and every day it's time for today's birthdays in sports. Today's birthdays in sports are March the 14th. I'm going to save one in particular for last because that's my guy. So I'll go ahead and stick with the gym- gymnastics theme. Simone Biles turns 25. U.S. gymnastics champion who has combined total of 32 Olympic uh, and World Championship medals. She is currently tied as the most decorated gymnast of all time. She's known for performing difficult skills at a high level of execution. Simone Biles turns 25 today. We've been seeing her for a while, and she's just 25. Yeah, she's pretty good. Uh, yeah, we'll see We'll see if she continues uh, on or if Suni Lee is going to be the new darling of Olympic gymnastics for the U.S. Larry Johnson turns 53, former NBA forward who played from 1991 to 2001 with the Charlotte Hornets and New York Knicks. Two-time NBA All-Star, 1992 NBA Rookie of the Year, 1990 NCAA Champion while at UNLV. 1991 Naismith College Player of the Year, first overall pick of the 1991 NBA Draft. He had a fictionalized role in the original movie Space Jam as one of the NBA stars who had their basketball abilities stolen. Larry Johnson turns 53. Wow. Uh, I remember him at UNLV with uh, Jerry Tarkanian as a head coach, that just seemingly unbeatable UNLV team uh, that he was a part of. He he did great in the NBA, but he, he just he never really blossomed into just that that uber superstar. I mean, he was a star. Don't get me wrong, but he never he never just became that guy. 
Ron Dane turns 44, former NFL running back who played from 2000-2007 with the New York Football Giants, Denver Broncos, and Houston Texans. 1999 Heisman Trophy winner while at Wisconsin. Go two, Badgers. Two time, that's for Bill Bailey. Two-time Rose Bowl MVP, 11th overall pick of the 2000 NFL Draft. He is the all-time leading rusher in NCAA Division I history with 7,125 yards. One of, the, one of those... One of those types of guys that if you were to just look at him and not know who he is and somebody that that guy's a running back, you go, <laughs> yeah, right. There's no way that dude's a running back because he's a monster. Yeah, he is a he's, is the, He was the Jerome Bettis build. Yeah. Dude is absolutely massive. So, yeah, it, you definitely would not want to try to tackle Ron Dane. And a very happy birthday to my favorite player in the NBA. Stephen Curry turns 34 today, guard for the Golden State Warriors, three-time NBA champion, two-time NBA Most Valuable Player, eight-time All-Star 2022 NBA All-Star Game MVP, four-time All-NBA First-Teamer, two-time NBA Three-Point Contest Champion, 2009 Consensus First-Team All-American while at Davidson, seventh overall pick of the 2009 NBA Draft. His father, Dell, played in the NBA, and his brother, Seth, plays for the Brooklyn Nets. I watched a video today of Steph lighting up Bill Bailey's Wisconsin Badgers in the NCAA Tournament Sweet 16 about 12, 13 years ago when he had a, a huge Sweet 16 really got on the on the national stage. Uh, Steph, great at Davidson, great at Golden State, the best shooter of all time. Wardell, Stephen Curry turns 34. You've seen that video of him warming up before the game? There's a lot of them, but I'm sure I have, yes. It's, so it's the one where he starts out just inside the free throw line, mm-hmm. makes a shot, steps to the free throw line, makes a shot. He basically works his way all the way back almost to half court and does not miss. <laughs> and then he comes back the same way making those same shots, does not miss. And then he finally, you know, he has a guy throw him a ball and he just like one hand and just like flings it up in the air and it goes in. Like he's the, insane. The dude is an alien. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we, uh, he's he struggled by his standards this year, right? And that struggle is thirty eight percent from three. Yeah, because he's career forty three percent. Right. So he's insane. Oof. Steph Curry turns thirty four. That'll do it for hour number one. In hour number two, more of your phone calls. We'll take retired Ward MC. The open hour number two. Javon Cutler will join us in hour number two, and we got to talk Braves. We got to talk. NFL, we got to talk Auburn NCAA tournament. Got to talk Will Wade. What don't we have to talk about? This is the Monday edition of Sports Call. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call getting underway. Tiger 95.9. 
of course, on the Tiger Communications app and on our podcast if you're listening to it after the fact. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy with you right now. Javon Cutler will be joining us momentarily. So a lot to talk about, and uh, we're about to bring on a caller that will surely bring a lot of this stuff up that we have to talk about, but um, we're going to be doing a show recap after the second hour, which we'll have to uh, recap what we've talked about and get into what we haven't. Um, There's just so much with this team. We talked to Jason Caldwell in hour number one, so much with the team as far as um, the shooting in the backcourt and obviously now the brackets are out what the team will look like against these matchups because these are what matter at this point yep. and then with the Braves I mean there's just so much going on in free agency and it's just a lot a lot to discuss and then I, I'm sure Steve is going to enjoy some Will Wade banter which we're probably going to have with him in just a moment so the numbers to call us today on Sports Call 334-887-341 locally Toll-free, one tiger 9 And so let's go back to the Auburn Bank phone line. Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve joins us. Steve, how are you doing? Good afternoon and Ward Dam mayhem. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> let's embrace it. Let's go. Let's go. And uh, while we're talking about that, look, enough, enough already – Mr. Tom Peavy, about these Debbie Downer statements, okay? <laughs> this is a brand new season. What happened in the past is buried. That's we don't talk about it anymore, okay? Everybody's zero and zero right now. And in the words of Coach Bruce Pearl, that's one of his uh, comments during uh, the uh, post-tournament, uh, he said the following, No more damn fiddle farting. Did you hear that? No more fiddling farting. No more fiddle farting. That's all those dribbles that uh, we're notorious for doing, and then the ball gets stolen from us. Yeah. Well, that was his quote, so I loved it. No more fiddle farting from here on out. I like it. Alright, so you mentioned those three-pointers that we were so atrocious in, right? Yes. They were atrocious, but not so fast, my friend Tom, because other teams were equally atrocious. I didn't know this until I was reading um, Monday afternoon's musings from Mr. Philip Marshall, during the tournament, Auburn and Arkansas combined to go 12 or 54 from the three-point range against A&M. Were you aware of that? Uh, I wouldn't have known the exact number, but I could tell you watching both of those games, because I did watch a lot of Arkansas and A&M as well, I could tell you not many deep balls were going in. Well, it doesn't stop there. Kentucky, who is supposedly the, the blue blood of basketball in the SEC, right? They didn't fare too easy, uh, too, uh, too well either in the uh, FC tournament. They went, I didn't know this, two for 20 when they played Tennessee. Did you know they was that bad, guys? Um, again, I could have told you that it was not good. Uh, and I saw Kellen Grady because I watched, again, a lot of that game. And Kellen Grady went over from three, who is their best three-point shooter. So every everyone that's good at the SEC tournament uh, seemed to have struggles beyond the arc. So what does that tell us, guys? about any of these teams who, who should be much better now that they did that poorly. That March is madness and anything can happen, anyone can lose. Okay, hold on, my friend, Mr. Ryan LaVoy. Uh, not anything can happen because I heard your comments about Jacksonville State. Now, team rankings um, have given us a 92.3 chance to win. So that tells me 
of three things that would need to happen for us to lose to Jacksonville State. Either the entire damn team comes down with COVID virus right before the game starts, or everybody comes down with massive diarrhea right before the game starts, or Bruce Pearl and the team didn't know where the hell they were going. They got lost on the way to the game, and it was forfeited. That's the only way we lose this darn game, guys. Well, well Steve, I, I mean, I, I, the only reason I the only reason I say it not so fast, my friend, is it happens in the tournament. I mean, Mercer, it has happened. Before. Mercer, Mercer beat Duke. Uh, that UNBC Baltimore or whatever it was beat uh, Virginia. There are major upsets that happen, and if you're not on your game that night, you can get beat. Okay, well, uh, having said that, guys, uh, there is a podcast, and I don't know if you guys are familiar with it. I just happened to come across it by chance uh, on MSN. Anyway, these two guys, they didn't say who their names are, uh, but it's called The Early Line from Sports Grid. Are you familiar with that podcast or those people that do that? I'm no, not. No, not at all. Either I. Well, anyway, these two guys said that they're, they're putting their money where their mouth is, and they're putting – uh, their money on Auburn to make the Final Four at plus 260 over Kansas. Oof, okay. Dang. Yeah. The one, the one thing, Steve, I'll say uh, that is in Auburn. This is in Auburn's favor, but it also could be against Auburn, against Jacksonville State. Remember, Jacksonville State's not even supposed to be in the tournament. They that's an automatic yeah, that, that's an automatic bid. They didn't even make it to the championship. Now they were the regular Fine. season champs. They didn't even make it to the championship game of their tournament. But uh, Bellarmine won that tournament, but they're not they're not uh, uh, able to go to the tournament because they just come in from D two, uh, and they beat Jacksonville University, and so neither of those teams made the tournament, and so therefore Jacksonville State sneaks in because they were the regular season champs. That could work in their favor because now you know, hey, no, we're not even supposed to be here. Let's go out and shock the world. So, Steve, okay. do you, Steve, do you want the? I, I've got on the NCAA's website the all-time record for two seeds versus fifteen. It is quite please, quite please. Good. I love the stats. Go sure. ahead, and give me the two seed versus the fifteen is one thirty-five and nine against the fifteen seed. So that's a ninety-four percent winning percentage. The here the the most recent fifteen to win was actually last year. Oral Roberts beat Ohio State, then went to the Sweet Sixteen miraculously. Before that, you might recall Middle Tennessee beating Tom Izzo and Michigan State in 2016. So there's been uh, of the nine, five of them have happened in the last decade: Lehigh versus Duke, Norfolk State versus Missouri, and Florida Gulf Coast versus Georgetown. So it is incredibly unlikely. However. It can be done. Okay, again, unless those three things happen I just mentioned you earlier, <laughs> we ain't losing a damn game. And I'll tell you why, because the stats say this. Uh, this comes from Jason Caldwell, by the way, who I love hearing the conversation with him. These are stat advantages of, um, on Auburn offense. For efficiency, Auburn. Scoring, Jacksonville State. Rebounding, says a good matchup. Fouls. Jacksonville State, block shots, Auburn. Turnovers, Auburn. Steals, says good matchup. Assist to turnover ratio, Auburn. Two-point shooting, Jacksonville State. Three-point shooting, Jacksonville State. Defense, stat uh, advantages. Efficiency goes to Auburn. Scoring, Auburn. Rebounding, says good matchup. Fouling, Jacksonville State. Block shots, Auburn. Turnovers, Auburn. Steals, Auburn. Assist to turnover ratio, Auburn. Two-point shooting Auburn. 
three-point shooting Jacksonville State. Yeah, there's some in both columns there, but Auburn sound like they have as many as uh, or a little more than JSU, I guess. It's preponderous. I mean, this says to me, if our bench plays Jacksonville State, we should win. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I mean, Auburn Auburn is clearly better than JSU. There's no arguing that. It it's just March. The goofy stuff and upsets happen. I mean, no one, any of these 15 seeds I named that won were not better than the team they beat. They were only better for those 40 minutes, and that's what counted. Well, my take is this, guys. You know, you mentioned it to the guys, uh, and I thought that they maybe uh, might have just said, okay, we need some rest. I needed the rest. So I'm glad that they got bumped out, you know, in the first round. <laughs> Now, uh, I for everything I've been reading uh, from insider information, from bloggers, from uh, people at 247 Sports talking to the guys, uh, they they give me the indication that this team is really, you know, pissed off, and uh, they left a bitter taste in their mouth, uh, especially uh, for Brian, uh, for uh, Jabari, and for Walker Kessler, and they want this tournament. Uh, they they want to redeem themselves. That's the sense that I got overall. Uh, I don't know if you've gotten that sense from any information you've been reading or talking to people. That's the sense I've gotten. And you know, I I, I see that this this team is nowhere near going to play abysmally like it did in the tournament. You are not going to see uh, Mr. Kate Johnson go over fourteen again. I certainly hope not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. surely hope not. And I just cannot believe that you're going to see uh, us going three for 25 uh, on three-point shooting. Now, what I don't want to see, guys, is us just taking, you know, 25 seconds off the clock, uh, looking at each other, and then finally deciding somebody's going to have to make a shot. Um, I, I don't know what, you know, how that even happens. I hope we see our guys become more aggressive. I want to see Katie Johnson, like his hair is on fire, like he has been, just going to the basket and making people foul him. Sure. That's, he, that's what he's good at doing. But he, he avoided doing that in the A&M game, guys. I don't know what explains that. But hopefully uh, that will not be repeating itself. I want to ask you this, guys. Who would you say is the uh, Cam Newton of our basketball team? Jabari or Walker Kessler? Jabari. Yeah, Jabari, definitely. Jabari. Okay, I agree with you. And he needs to turn up a, a big notch, and I believe that, that he will. Now, I'll let you know, uh, this is the uh, basketball uh, NCAA tournament championship sweepstakes with CBS. Have you have you done that yet? Uh, I have not, no. Okay. Anyway, you have a chance to win four tickets to the Final Four for next year and $10,000 in addition to that. So I'm being the homer of homers. I picked Auburn to win it all. Sure. No, I, Steve, I, I'm going to do four brackets. I'm going to do a real bracket, which I have not decided what I'll, who I'll have as the champion. I'll do a bracket for sure that Auburn wins it. I'll do a bracket where UAB wins it, and I'll do a bracket where North Carolina wins it. Wow. Uh, those are really outliers. Those are my teams, though, Steve. Got to pick my teams. Okay. All right. Well, uh, I respect your homerism. Yeah, I said it was the homer, but the real bracket ain't going to be like that. We ain't we ain't okay. putting UAB in the Final Four, even though I'm God love them. They they impressed me this past weekend, but no, I yeah, you know, that's just that's just a little fun bracket. 
Well, uh, even though I said I'm being a homer, according to the uh, uh, some of these uh, computers and uh, Vegas Insights, even they give us a pretty decent chance of making it uh, to the Final Four. In fact, um, the teams that have a higher chance of making it are the usual suspects, Baylor, Gonzaga, and Arizona. And a surprise in Kentucky, too, above us. But we are given around a 65 or 7% chance of making it to the Final Four. So I'm taking those all the way. Now, uh, having said all that, guys, uh, Vegas Insider, real quickly, uh, has come up with a sleeper teams to watch. And who's on their list? Jacksonville State. Not that they'll beat us, but they may come to spread. And then the other ones are the Colgate Raiders. Yeah. Uh, and let's see, Chattanooga Moccasins. Yeah. Yep. Murray State. No, they weren't in there. The Vermont no, no. Catamiles. Vermont, yeah, Vermont went like 27-5 and five this year or something like that. In the yeah. Movie. And finally, guys, the team that almost did us in, the New Mexico State Aggies. Uh, New Mexico State, yeah. Well. Yeah, they, they, they win that whack pretty often. They, uh, they, they, they're pretty good. You you start to get familiar with some of these teams. Murray State is actually, I think, the the favored seed in their game. They they got so high up, um, but they're a team for years that has been a upset alert team when they win the OVC. And yeah. New Mexico State's gotten to that point, and uh, Vermont starting to get to that point. Davidson got to that point. So, but yeah, Col- Colgate's a team I think that could actually beat Wisconsin because. Uh, Colgate, they started, I believe, they started 4-10, but they've won like 19 of their last 20, something like that. I mean, so some incredible numbers that Colgate's been putting up here uh, over the last stretch of the season. So Colgate could definitely be a team that uh, to watch out for. And speaking of that, uh, you know, uh, some of these teams that I, I really don't pay attention very much to, you know, uh, I still uh, would say that um, the, the, the team – uh, the committee voters uh, did no did disservice to A and M, and it almost tells me that you know how far you go in a tournament really doesn't matter uh, unless you actually win the tournament itself. Uh, and I bear that out because Tennessee won the tournament, right? It didn't move one one bit from a right. three seed to a two seed. They stayed where they were at, right, right, guys? Right, and they should well, have been a two in and, my opinion. Yeah. And Texas A and M gets all the way to the championship game and. They don't even get into the tournament. Had to beat two really good teams in Arkansas and Auburn to get there. So uh, what advantage is it anymore, really, to even uh, play the tournament unless, you know, you well, win it or else you couldn't go right. at all unless you win it? Yeah. College basketball will always ma- make it matter, though, Steve, because those lesser teams, if they win it, they get in. Yeah. Right. Well, Virginia and Tech and, and the ACC. Right, and it's still, ba- it's still a banner situation where you get proud of winning – a conference tournament like that. So I, I, I'm confident it will always matter. Jay Billis proposed, and I don't agree with this, but Jay Billis uh, proposed last night that the, the committee starts seeding teams and make their selections before the conference tournaments even start and just make room for the, the winners to be added in later and seed everybody and not really folk care about what happens in the conference tournament. I don't like that, but it also seems like the committee's already kind of doing that in some ways. Yeah, I read uh, uh, right on some website, I forgot who I was at, that the committee already votes on who they're seating uh, without little paying attention to, to the uh, uh, tournament outcomes. Is, right. is, that, is that your sense? That, that's what I, I mean. You look at how it got seated, and I think you have to think that way. 
And then how do you justify? I mean, I have to ask these committees. How in the world do they justify Wyoming getting in over A and M? Yeah, I don't, I don't agree with that one either. Um, you know, I, I'm a big proponent of mid-majors. I'll, I'll go ahead and out myself as that, if that's considered an out. Uh, but you look at what they did. They beat their other Mountain West teams that got in, like uh, Boise State I think they beat once, maybe uh, Colorado State they beat once. But they really didn't have anything uh, overly impressive. I'd have to go back and go through the numbers on net ranking and quad one and all that stuff. But uh, I, I thought really all the bubble teams were not deserving over because I, I thought Rutgers and, Rutgers and Indiana, yeah. or excuse me, not Indiana, Rutgers and Michigan would not be worthy over Texas A&M either. And I guess I had it wrong, but see, I thought it mattered more if you did start getting hot at the end of the season than what you did at the beginning. Uh, I guess I was wrong, right? Yeah, I mean that. That's yeah. That's kind of one of the things that um, that that selection committee looks at. I, I'm sure they kind of take everything into effect the the how you ended the season, but also your full body of work. And I think with Texas A&M, I mean, when you look at their full body of work, the fact that they had such a rough go of it about midway through the season that that has an effect on the on that selection committee. Give us one more. Good. Give us one more sure. thing, Steve. Well, I was really pleased to see, as you're probably, probably thinking now, to see that finally Mr. Strong-Ass Offer got his strong-ass butt <laughs> kicked out. Yeah. Yes. Uh, now, yeah. what about LSU guys, basketball and football? You think they're going to get hammered, or are they just going to just give a slap on the wrist? I, I So, I, I think the allegations that came out with the football program will not be – They won't they'll be get bad. Pun- yeah. They won't be bad on the football side. Basketball I believe the basketball is going to get absolutely blasted because th- this is not speculation uh, of some wrongdoing. This is egregious. This is some of the most egregious wrongdoing, and it's all on tape. It's on text messages, and they've been charged with and, it. Most importantly, we've yeah. we've seen this for a couple of years. Like we've all known about right. a lot of this stuff. We didn't know about the girlfriend stuff and all that, but we knew yeah. about the offer. Javante Smart. That's on tape, and seven level one violations. Steve, I, I, I'm not good at slap on the wrist. I'm not that. good at this stuff, but I would say they're probably out of the postseason two or three years of ineligibility. I think they get hit with massive scholarship loss. I don't go death penalty because I just I can't imagine what it would happen to have to happen. But they're going to get multiple years of being yeah. ineligible for the postseason. All right. What about the football team? Because from what I read, the allegations also included against the football team institutional lack of institutional control, right, for the football team as well. Yes, but they only had one level one violation, which I think that's what it was, and they cooperated, which is very important. I mean, that's always important in the legal system. Did you cooperate? Because I I thought I recall that uh, Miles, uh, not Miles, but. um, uh, uh, Ordron, yeah, uh, was not that cooperative, well, and he was well, it, kind of, kind of, you know, to try to, you know, uh, portray himself as being kind of oblivious as to what had been going on. It, it's not about Orgeron being cooperative; it's about LSU's administration being okay. cooperative. And so, in the report, the NCAA says that they were co- cooperative in football; they were not cooperative in basketball. All right, and finally, women and men's tennis team. Who that team on the other side of the state who I will not name? They did. <laughs> that's just that's more of the more of the or as Bruce Pearl calls it. We're in everything school and uh, everything yeah, school. Okay, got, got some All good right. success going on uh, across all spectrums of this sports. 
So, guys, thank you so much uh, for the time that you give me, as always. I appreciate it. And I'm just ready for the mayhem, and I'm ready for Coach Bruce Almighty to finally decide, okay, enough of the fiddle farting, and we're going to take care of business. So, until tomorrow, guys, you have a safe afternoon and relaxing evening, and War Eagle. War Eagle, Steve, we appreciate that phone call, as always. Retired War Eagle, Steve on our Auburn Bank phone line. Going to take a quick break. When we come back, Keith from Auburn will join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. A lot to talk about. Uh, There's a lot of free agency news we need to get to with the Braves and all that. Uh, I will give you an Auburn free agent news that affects me, (laughs) though, as I control the program right now. The Buccaneers are bringing back Carlton Davis on a new deal, so he's staying in Tampa. So we're equal to Carlton. But we got a lot more to talk about than just just that. Like I said, Keith from Auburn coming up after this on the Auburn Bank phone line. You're listening to Sports Call Tiger 95.9. Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you're currently driving in a four-door sedan... Roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Follow Sports Call on Twitter at Sports Call AU. Like us on Facebook at Sports Call AU. Sports Call continuing on on this Monday afternoon. Tiger 95.9, sportscallauburn.com. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and now joined by Mr. Javon Cutler. And, uh, Javon, we've saved some of the best stuff for you, so we've talked a lot of Auburn so far, but uh, you're a Braves fan like the rest of us. You've got an eye on what's going on, and, boy, there's a lot going on all the time now in uh, professional sports with free agency. Yeah, but I'd say free agency is just crazy, 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 and that's what – was expected when the lockout ended is you can have a bunch of guys moving around within the week or so and of course the big news for Braves fans was the Freddie Freeman news it looks like he's not going to be re-signed with the Braves and the Braves made a trade for Matt Olson who is a really good player he played well for the A's the past couple of seasons he's a guy that's won uh, two gold glove awards he's been an all-star so um, it's going to be tough to see Number five, not trotting out there for the Braves next season, but Olsen is a guy that could pick up the slack in some sense. I don't think he's going to put up Freddie Freeman numbers, but he's a guy that is able to still generate a lot of runs, play great defense, and he's also a couple years younger than Freddie Freeman. I believe Olsen is 27 years old, 28 years old, somewhere in that range. So overall for the Braves, it's going to sting, especially because you lost your top catching prospect in Shea Langliers. You lost Christian Pache, a guy that is projected to be a really good MLB player. We saw him struggle a lot last year, but still really young. But overall for the Braves, yeah, it's going to be a trade that we'll look back a couple years and say, okay, is this a great trade for the Braves, or did they really fumble the bag, per se, with this one? But no, it'll be interesting to see how Matt Olson does in a Braves uniform next year and in the next couple of years. So the one thing that I will be interested to see, I, I'm also I'm disappointed if it turns out that they're not going to be able to re-sign Freddie Freeman, which that's what it sounds like. You, and as a Braves fan, you, are, you definitely do not want him to go to the L.A. Dodgers, but that seems like a hot team that seems that you just don't want to have to face him again. You, hopefully you 
he goes to the American League. Uh, but the, it, it, you try to find some positives in this. You you absolutely hate that you're losing a face of your franchise like that. But you're bringing in a guy, Matt Olson, who is a great first baseman. He's an all-star first baseman. I don't know that you necessarily drop off that significantly because he is, like you mentioned, the gold gloves at first base. Uh, last year put up insane numbers. I mean, he was ranked up in the top of the entire major league in some of the uh, stats that he put up at the plate. So he's he is a great, great first baseman. Now, if you don't sign Freddie Freeman, you have now opened up a lot of more availability to sign some other guys because if you bring Freddie back, you're probably not going to be able to sign Jock Peterson back. You're probably not going to be able to sign Solaire back. It's questionable on some other things. So now that if that happens and you freed up some of that space, now the Braves are back in the market to be able to bring Jock Peterson back. They're in the market to bring your uh, World Series MVP and Jorge Soler back. We'll see what happens with it. It could ultimately end up being a net positive for the Braves as much as it stings and it just sucks to see a guy like Freddie Freeman your 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 guy, you're the the veteran face of that franchise, to lose him, but it might actually benefit the Braves in the long run. But that's kind of what you said. We'll we'll see how it turns out. It could end up being an absolute disaster. Uh, a lot of times, these types of moves are disasters, and you know he ends up going to the Dodgers. Let's say he goes to the Dodgers, and I'm reading right here that you know a few hours ago the Dodgers are reportedly interested in Jorge Soler. So if the Dodgers manage to get Soler and Freddie Freeman, yeah, good luck with that pitching staff that they have. And then you want to add Freddie Freeman and Soler to it? Jeez. Let's go. Let's go back to that Auburn Bank phone line three three four eight eight seven thirty four one locally toll free one triple eight nine Tiger nine. Keith from Auburn. Keith from Auburn joins us. Keith, how are you doing? Hey guys, doing great. What's on your mind today, Keith? So uh, TB twelve. Is alive and well. <laughs> yes, sir. I'm uh, wearing my Tom Brady jersey right now. He's not going to retire. He's fifty. <laughs> I wouldn't mind. I uh, would not mind. How old was Jim Plunkett when he retired? He was like forty-six or something. I want to say, but that might be wrong. I, I, I don't know. Something around there, like forty-six, forty-seven. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, uh, I think as long as Tom. A competitive and has the ability he's going to play. So that that this whole ordeal, I, I don't know what you guys take out of it. I think uh, Giselle or Giselle or whatever her name was was like, okay, time to do something different. And then he had, he needed a month to convince her that he still needs to play. So well, you know, and I, and Keith, I think that he in some ways might have gotten rushed. Uh, you know, he. That report came out uh, on a Saturday that he was uh, he had told people close to him that he was going to retire, and that's kind of not how you want your retirement, you know, announcement to go. And then he comes out on Tuesday and puts out on Instagram and on social media he's retiring, and it didn't feel like it was ever his own retirement. You know, I mean, it, it felt like it was maybe sooner than he wanted to. I, I, I could see that. Okay, so. Uh 
moving on real hey, quick. Hey, by the way, Jim Plunkett yeah. was 39 years old when he retired. Oh, geez, he looked 50 when he retired. <laughs> <laughs> but, but anyway, guys, um, uh, let's see here. Uh, Auburn, Jacksonville State. What region is that? Where they're playing at? I hadn't looked at my brackets yet because the past few years I've rushed into this thing, and uh, you know I was out of the money in the, the first day, so I'm I'm waiting a little bit to so Auburn, figure out. Yeah, Auburn and Jacksonville State they are in they are in the Midwest Regional, but uh, they are in uh, Greenville, South Carolina. All right. So, so, so not too fa- not too far not too far of a drive for uh, for Auburn fans if they want to go watch yeah. the Tigers. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and I hope uh, the retired Wardam Eagles listening. Uh, I see trouble on the horizon. This I, I don't like this Jack State Auburn game. Yeah, you why is that? You why? why is that? <laughs> because it's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if Auburn loses. Loses to Jack State, they shouldn't even be in the tournament. I mean, come on, guys, let's get sure. real. That's the OVC, the Ohio Valley Conference. Yeah, I, they're I, no, I, they're I, not going to lose to Jacksonville State. Oh, uh, see, I mean, uh, I, Wendell I'm, Green could go over for forty, and they still ain't going to lose Jacksonville State. I, well, and and that's fine. I, I love the confidence, but crazy things happen in March. I mean, I'm sure. I always bring these couple of games up. I am sure. When you were looking at the matchup of Mercer versus Duke, that at that time Duke was like Mercer, where where is yeah. Mercer? Oh, that's some little tiny school over in Macon, Georgia. I'm like, oh my gosh, we will wipe the floor with Mercer. Uh, no, that didn't happen. Mercer beat Duke. Uh, I'm They're sure when cool. Virginia was the number one seed opening of the tournament a couple of years ago, yeah. there was no way in hell they thought they were going to lose that first round game to a 16 seed. But guess what happened? They lost. Yeah. It happens. It happens. I, I, I see that. I, I I just don't see this game, guys. I, I, I'm just going to be honest with you. Um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the team that I said don't don't sleep on them, uh, and the team they're playing is the team that I'd like to see do well, and that's Houston against UAB. Uh, this Taylor kid for UAB is like off the charts. I mean, he averaged like 31 points a game yeah. in the Conference USA uh, tournament. I mean, uh, UAB's got a pretty good basketball team, guys. They are. I, I don't think physically they can match up against Houston. You know, so I, you know, I'm kind of catch 22 about who I want, who, who I'm going to pick to win that game. Still leaning probably toward Houston. But I really would like to see UAB, and they've done it in the past. You know, when Gene Bartow was there, they made some runs. Uh, sure. It actually made a, a run when I, I think uh, Mike Davis was, was coaching them. Mike Anderson, yeah. yeah. Uh, Anderson, yeah. yeah Keith, sorry. you know I'm a big UAB fan, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I uh, that was in 04, UAB beat one-seeded Kentucky uh, in the round of 32, made the Sweet 16 that year, and yeah, with uh, they they've actually had. I was going through this today. They've had seven head coaches all time in UAB basketball, and six of them have have made the team or made the NCAA tournament at least once. Yeah, so that to me that's an intriguing game. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm is that a third? That's a Friday game, isn't it? I believe so. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's Auburn. Is that a uh, Thursday or Friday game? Auburn is a Friday. Yep. So the, if you want, 
you want game yeah, times here, uh, Keith, Auburn's 11.40 a.m. on Friday. They're one of the very first games. Oh, okay. Uh, and Good. then UAB's one of the last games. They're at 8.20. Okay. And and what, what, what day does Alabama play on? Let me get that. Alabama's also Friday. That's going to be 315. You're going to have a big party with State of Alabama schools on Friday. Yeah, on, on Friday. Okay. Yeah. Well, I might work Thursday then. <laughs> <laughs> this is my favorite time of the year. I love March Madness. I, I, you know, I like to watch all the one seeds play because I'm always rooting for the 16 seeds. So, uh, <laughs> you know, we'll we'll see how that goes. And, you know, I, I, I want to touch base, and, and, and I watched uh, the first half of Tennessee and uh, A&M. Uh, and, you know, I, it's easy to sit here and say, well, A&M should have got in, blah, 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 this. I, I agree with that. But, however, you got to give the committee, uh, you know, the, those guys watch this basketball for a pretty good while before they make a lot of the decisions that they're going to make. Um, and I, I really think that A&M struggling there midseason and losing six or seven or eight in a row uh, probably hurt them. Um, oh, yeah. I felt like if they got to the championship game that they would be in, uh, but obviously uh, that's not the case. The team that I uh, – the one team that I don't believe deserves to be in the NCAA tournament is Michigan. They're 17 and 14, and you can say whatever you want to about the Big 12 or Big 10, whatever they go by. Um, and they're a pretty good basketball team, but I believe I'd put A&M and over Michigan. But, you know, that's the committee's job to pick those teams, and you, you got to live by it and, and move on. Uh, I will predict that A&M probably loses the first round of the NIT because uh, their heart's just not in it. And uh, they played well through the SEC tournament. But, you know, Tennessee has got a good basketball team. Actually, they're probably playing better than anybody right now in the SEC. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you really look at it. Sure. Uh, I think they're like 16 or 17 and 2 over the past 18 or 19 games or, or, or whatever. So, uh, But then again, you know, there's always hope for those uh, – 16 seeds uh, to go in there and work their magic. Mm-hmm. 15 seeds doesn't have as much luck. I don't. Well, I ain't gonna say that. I I, I just say that Jacksonville State ain't got a prayer chance to get Austin. Okay. <laughs> well, hey, that it's. I, I, mean, I, I really believe that. Now I don't know who Auburn would play in the second round. Is it Miami? Winner of Miami and somebody? Yeah, or? yeah, Miami and USC. USC. Now those two teams. Maybe not necessarily Miami, but USC uh, could give them a few problems. You know, it, it all depends on, and I, I say this, and I, I think, Tom, you agree with me on this. The teams that make a deep deep run, they have really good guard play. Oh, yeah. And, uh, oh, yeah. yeah I mean, and Auburn's got the numbers to do that, but they've just struggled so much down the stretch with their guard play. Sure. Um, that's I mean, that's the key to Auburn. It's not Jabari Smith and it's not Walker Kessler. They're going to be fine. It's what those three guards do for Auburn uh, that gets them over the hump. I agree with you 100%. Yeah. So, you know, I'm interested to see how that plays out. And listen, guys, I'm not an Auburn hater. I hope they do well. You know, I'd like them to go all the way to the Final Four. Uh, Now, would, would they play Alabama if they got to the Final Four? 
Uh, let me do but, but, some double checking. I think they're I on the to, opposite I'd sides. I'd have to pull against them, you know, if, if Alabama played them. But they're on opposite sides. They would not meet okay. till the national championship game if that were. All happening. right. Well, there you go. How about an Auburn Alabama national championship <laughs> game? Wardam Steve Eagle. I hope you're listening to that. Uh, <laughs> really and truly, Alabama, I believe, is one of those teams that probably could just lay an egg, go out the first round. I'm just going to be honest with you. I, I have more confidence right now in UAB winning their first-round games than I do Alabama winning their first-round games. So. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but, but anyway, guys, uh, beautiful weather today. I think we've got some rain coming in tomorrow. But, uh, you know, I, I enjoy the show. And uh, y'all, y'all guys just keep doing what you're doing because it's good. And uh, we in, you know, Radio Land enjoy listening. And, uh, you know, good Lord willing, we'll talk again next day or two. Sounds great, Keith, and we appreciate the kind words. Hope you have a great evening. Thank you. That is Keith from Auburn joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Going to go ahead and take our next break of the program. When we come back, James from Montgomery will join us. This is Sports Call. the biggest names in the sports world want to be on Sports Call. We are very excited to be joined by ESPN's Adam Amin. Bring on a very special guest, a good friend of the program, a former host of this very show, and the current voice of the Auburn Tigers, the one and only Andy Burcham. We get the opportunity to welcome in Mr. Phil Steele into our program. Be sure to listen to our conversations with athletes, coaches, and media personalities on the Sports Call podcast. I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player and national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Auburn's first, Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Javon Cutler. No J.J. Jackson today. He is out of the state currently. He'll be back at some point this week. And a time to be determined. But uh, Ryan, Javon, and Tom with you right now. About nine or ten minutes left in the hour. So we're going to go ahead and get to our next phone call. James from Montgomery. James joins us. James, how are you doing? I'm good. And War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I know that y'all talking about the um, about the net, uh, about the tournament that's going to be coming in, and I probably see Auburn and Gonzaga actually playing, or either Auburn and Texas, one of those two teams actually meeting up for the championship uh, this coming up year as well. Yeah, I think uh, Auburn and Gonzaga matchup could very well happen. Obviously, they're on the opposite sides of the bracket, so that would work out. Gonzaga, the number one overall seed, and there was a time earlier this year where we were looking forward to what a matchup might be because Chet Holmgren might be the number one pick. Jabari Smith might be the number one pick. So I think a lot of people would love to see that. Yeah, because, I mean, with um, with Jabari Smith, I think with Jabari Smith and um, with his 
with his offense on on playing the offensive side of the basketball, I think Jabari Smith might be like a first round or second round draft pick in this 2022 uh, NBA draft. And I'll probably see him going to a good team like the Denver Nuggets or the Philadelphia 76ers or um, – Probably, probably, maybe those two teams as well, just to name a few teams off that off that um, winning uh, roster lead, and just seeing where um, where Walker Kessler will actually go, because I think he has that NBA uh, mentality to him. I probably see him playing with. Uh, with LeBron James and, and the Los Angeles Lakers as well, just to give them another uh, championship, uh, another NBA championship run as well. Yeah, James, um, for Jabari Smith, a lot of people have him projected in the top three position. A lot of people have him projected specifically number one overall, maybe number two, but most of the people have him at number one overall. So I highly doubt Jabari Smith ends up as a second-round pick or a late first-round pick. He'll definitely be within those top two top three picks for sure. Yes, because with Auburn, do you think we have a good chance of winning uh, the the NCAA tournament outright? Do you think we're going to make it uh, this year around to actually edge our name into the Final Four uh, list? Of uh, you know of champions that we've been going to the Final Four more than any other college team in the um, college basketball world as well. Well, James, I don't think they have a bad chance, but but certainly a few teams have a better chance than they do. No one truly has a great chance because of how big this tournament is and all the crazy mm-hmm. things that happen. But I think Auburn's got a shot at it for sure. And you know, there's probably 30 or 40 teams that, that don't have a realistic chance of making a Final Four, but I think Auburn is one mm-hmm. of those. And if they were able to, it'd be their second-ever Final Four. So it'd be really impressive to see what Bruce Pearl has done. Yes, because we, we have been to the Final Four um, probably a few times. I've looked at the uh, the different years that Auburn has been playing. So I think we might edge this one in, but I'm, it, it can be like a give and take for Bruce Pearl to actually uh, do a bounce back from uh, last week and seeing how we're going to do this week when we actually um, play in the tournament. But I think these guys, I think they're going to – I think they're going to turn around and make a good a good turnaround this time and actually uh, go for the third shot this time in the tournament as well. Yeah, James, Auburn has been to the uh, NCAA tournament 11 times, but they've only been to the Final Four once so far. That was what was so special about it in 2019 is that was their first time ever making the Final Four. But they have been to the big tournament 11 times now, so we'll see what they can do. What, what else is on your mind today? <laughs> Well, I've been hearing a lot of news about Tom Brady, and he's not retiring yet. He'll still be playing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I'm thinking, you know, as a as a Cowboys fan, he should have stayed, you know, retired and, and be a family man, you know, settle down with his kids and just retire and give somebody an, a good chance to actually play with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But he just said, no, I got he, – he was saying – that he's saying no, that he wants to play for another Super Bowl title. So I'm going to just see how things go for Tom Brady as well this time around as well when I probably see uh, Tom Brady win his eighth Super Bowl this year. Well, James, you know me. I'm a huge Bucks fan, and I was uh, elated, to say the least, when I heard that he was coming back yesterday. That made my day. 
Yeah, because I know, I know he's gonna, I know he's gonna make a lot of uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers fans very, very happy to see them to, you know, to to actually go in in that stadium and actually see all his uh, supporting fans that support him very much. And I'll probably see him in the near future. Probably give him like the the Hall of Fame uh, gold jacket and. You know he'll be up there with some of the great um, Bucks legends of the past of uh, of you know of that of that uh, particular franchise of, of yesteryear as well. Yeah, absolutely, James. And of course, in the Hall of Fame, there's a lot of Dallas Cowboys, so he'll be entering uh, the Hall with a lot of great Cowboys legends. And uh, what what do you think the Cowboys need to do this offseason? Because uh, they they won their division obviously last year, were not able to advance in the playoffs. What do you think they need to to make that Super Bowl run? Um, well, we're actually looking at some Kansas City Chiefs. We're looking at one. We're looking at uh, Tyreek Smith from uh, the from the safety position. So we might as well pick him up during the off season and um, bring him to the Cowboys as well. And we're looking at some other. Um, we're like looking at some other offensive trades that we might make, but I'm not quite sure uh, what Jerry Jones has for us. But I'm just kind of, I'm just trying to see what we're going to look at when we have the uh, what we're going to be looking at on the draft board and uh, seeing what who who we're going to actually take out and who we're going to bring in for a replacement as well. Yeah, James, I think you're thinking about Tyron Matthew, the safety for the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm-hmm. I know Tyron Smith is one of you guys as an offensive lineman. Um, so, But yeah, Tyron Matthew would be an interesting fit for you guys because he's a versatile safety. He's played several years in the league, been a Pro Bowl or Super Bowl, Super Bowl champ. So that would be a great mm-hmm. fit for you, you guys in terms of the safety. Yes, because I mean we do need uh, we need him as well. He's a really good fit for the Cowboys, and he has that Super Bowl mentality. So we might as well need him to actually take us to the Super Bowl and maybe to the Pro Bowl as well. But I'm not quite sure if the Cowboys might make it. But who knows what the season is going to hold for the Cowboys? So we'll just have I just have to see um, what's really going to happen with the Cowboys as well. Anything else for us, James? We got about two more minutes with you today. Um, well, actually, I'm just gonna see. Um, I'm gonna just see how Auburn's um, baseball team is actually gonna be doing, because I know they've been winning a lot of games as well. So I'm gonna just probably see how they're gonna do as well. And then with the women's gymnastics, I'm gonna see how they're gonna do in the uh, big tournament. So I know they're I know they're going up to Huntsville, Alabama. So I'm going to be listening to that um, sometime real soon, and uh, seeing what Sinisa Lee is actually going to be doing for uh, the gymnastics team. And I wish them the best of luck in Houston, Alabama, as well. I mean, in Huntsville, Alabama. Sorry. Gotcha. You were about to throw us off for a loop. I was like, we didn't know where Houston, <laughs> Alabama was, but we definitely know Hunt- Huntsville is. You're all good, James. Yeah. Yeah, but it was really nice talking to you guys, and uh, have a great day, and uh, I'll talk to you all tomorrow in War Eagle. We appreciate the phone call, as always, James. War Eagle to you as well. That is James from Montgomery joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line, a little bit less than a minute now of the second hour of the program, and we've kind of now skirted around all the main issues. (laughs) Bringing it up there uh, was Keith and James about Tom Brady unretiring from the National Football League, and I guess unreti- I don't know if you unretire from the national. You retire from the national. You unretire from family life. I guess I that's the best way to describe uh, it. I mean. uh, unretire <laughs> from 
the couch, but uh, Tom Brady is back, and uh, Braves fans still clinging to any sliver of hope that Freddie Freeman will also be back. But with the Matt Olson trade today, that not seeming to be likely. A lot of business in MLB. We set it back when the, the lockout ended last, what was that, Thursday or Wednesday, something like that. We said business would start booming, and it has. And we'll tell you all about the latest from what the Braves are trying to get into and some of the big names league-wide. We'll also kind of look some more at some brackets. We got all week to do that, but never too early to kind of look at some of the, the big matchups in the NCAA tournament. And uh, just continuing on with all this big news and Try and fit in some talk about some college basketball coaches as well. I mean, there's a lot to get to. So stick with us for another hour of Sports Call coming up after this timeout. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of a busy sports call today. And no, it's not football season. As we move along through March, March Madness... Getting ready to get going. The first four technically starts tomorrow. Not necessarily a bunch of teams that uh, we figure will figure into the NCAA tournament, but um, you never know. You never know. Yeah. I believe what was it? Uh, Syracuse one year. Did they play in the first four and make the final four or Elite Eight? Or I think so. Yeah, I imagine. I know that. Michigan State or not Michigan State. UCLA did it last year. Oh well. That's right. Because they beat Michigan State, yeah. You would think you'd remember, or I say you, I would remember what happened last year, but I'm over here thinking Oral Roberts was a 14 instead of a 15 and (laughs) not remembering that UCLA was first four. So my apologies. You never know. You might win the first four and – Go all the way to the final four. We'll see. Uh, but uh, 334-887-341, locally toll-free, one 9 We've already been pretty busy on today's show, so if you're just now tuning in. We've already finished the first two hours of Sports Call today. <sighs> Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. It jumped up a notch. It did, didn't it? It's now time for the Daily Show Recap. Um... Can you repeat the part of this stuff where you said all about the things? So all the things that we've <laughs> talked about uh, so far. 
Talked about Auburn basketball in the SEC tournament. Their disappointing quarterfinal loss, Texas A&M. Talked to Jason Caldwell of Inside the Auburn Tigers about Auburn baseball. They are fixing to hook up with the Ole Miss Rebels for a three-game set to start SEC play. The number one in the country, mm-hmm. Ole Miss Rebels. Are they number one now? They are now number they one on D1 baseball. Brooks Childress informed me of this information. So happy birthday to Auburn. Uh, they get the number one team in the land. Uh, we've talked a little bit about the Bucks with Tom Brady returning. We'll get in a little bit more of that. We've mentioned Will Wade. We've mentioned a lot of this stuff, but we need to have a little bit more of a conversation with some of this. And let's start with some Will Wade stuff. Start some college basketball, and then we'll try and work our way to some Braves. And if we have time, some Bucks also need to get a, a quick best and worst of the weekend. I know how the Monday show works, despite me not being on it very often. So we'll get that in by the end of the show. But let's start some Will Wade. Uh, we, we talked with Steve about it. Uh, it does not look good for Louisiana State University basketball. And it's going to hurt in many ways because I know this is so obvious, right? I, I know what I'm about to say is incredibly painfully obvious. But you need a new coach now. And the likelihood of getting someone desirable with all this going on is very low. So you don't have to have a death penalty here. If you just have a two- or three-year postseason ban and a loss of a couple scholarships a year, you're looking at a situation that no one on the rise is really going to be that interested in. So this can affect your program well beyond the two or three years that you're ineligible for for the postseason you might not get a coach that is very worth their salt for years because you might have to take a chance. Guy now, maybe the guy works out, maybe you strike gold, but you're not going to get some big hot shot in there. Scott Wood- Woodyard is known for throwing money at moving targets, yeah. and he did that in college football. He got himself a pretty good hire with Brian Kelly, and he would have loved to have done the same thing in basketball. He probably could have cooked something up to get someone better than we would have thought under normal circumstances. Say Will Wade got a, a bit even bigger job or right. did something goofy, whatever. He probably could have cooked up something big, but I don't know how they hire someone that they truly covet in this yeah. situation. Also did also big uh, home run hire in women's basketball. Yeah, oh, yeah, Mulkey, Mulkey, yeah. 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 Mulkey. So, uh, yeah, um, yeah, it's going to be tough to find a coach that wants to jump in that. The other thing, and this is where Auburn needs to jump in on this, LSU's got some very talented players. They may not want to stick around LSU for very long. So now you have to be careful. You know, what have these players been caught up in? Do they have any eligibility question marks? I mean, that's obviously something you're, if you look at trying to bring a guy on as a transfer, uh, you need to make sure that your compliance department is, is good with it and that they're clean. But yeah, it's going to be tough. And, and so for anybody that has not read the notice of allegations that came out, against LSU and against mainly Will Wade. Now, there was some very minor stuff, I guess, with football. There was one level one, but it doesn't really sound like football is going to get popped that bad. They'll they'll get something. I mean, They might get a a small budget decrease or a a couple scholarships. Basketball, on the other hand, is going to get hammered. So for anybody that did not or has not read the allegations against Will Wade, uh, and I guess really technically they're not even allegations. I mean these are no, these like, are the notice. These are yeah. the no, these are the things that the NCA is like this happened. So uh, yeah, he is on tape, FBI wire tape, uh, wire tap, excuse me, um, discussing uh, a, a a strong 
blank deal to get certain players to come to LSU. So there was there was talk of paying players, talk of paying parents, um, setting jobs up for for parents, setting jobs up for family members and friends and things like that to. Uh, induce people to commit and sign with LSU. So that's pretty bad. But then there's some other stuff that came out. He is. They have the uh, 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 text messages back and forth where Will Wade was paying off the ex-fiance of a player to keep quiet because she knew about what was going on and she basically blackmailed him. Uh, when you read this, she was blackmailing Will Wade saying, Uh, pay me some money or i'm gonna go out with everything that i know and he took the bait and paid her quite a bit of money to try to keep quiet and there was a lot of stuff about buying purchasing a car and him helping her purchase a car and things like that these are all text messages there it's not just allegations that somebody are hearsay these are text messages that actually were there and then on top of that there was a booster uh, there was a booster that embezzled $500,000 from a children's hospital to uh, assist in paying players and all. So, I mean, ju- some of the more egregious things that you have ever heard a coach do was happening at LSU. Now, here's here's where I have a problem with LSU. They knew this stuff was going on. Why in the hell did they keep Will Wade around as long as they did? They waited until the notices came out and then fired him. They've known about this. They've known that this was going on. They knew that this was a lingering issue. Everybody around college basketball has been looking at this and going, how in the world is Will Wade still coaching basketball at LSU right now? And these other people are are firing coaches and, and serving suspensions and things like that for stuff that is very minor in comparison to what Will Wade was doing. But LSU would not let him go until the notice of allegations finally came out, and then they fired him. So uh, LSU's in deep, deep trouble with that basketball program. I, I think the NCAA is going to absolutely hammer them. And, you know, if you're Auburn, if you're Bruce Pearl and that staff, reach out to some of those top players. LSU's got some really good players. I mean, Will Wade uh, was bringing in some top caliber dudes. Now, maybe it was kind of nefarious the way he was getting these top caliber guys. But if, if you've got some LSU players that are looking to bail out, See what you can do to get them. Uh, and, and, I mean, that's Bruce Pearl, but that's other teams, too, that are looking to shore up rosters. And, you know, when you're Auburn and you're going to lose Jabari Smith, you may lose Walker Kessler. Uh, you look at some other guys that might be leaving that program. I mean, that those are guys that are plug-and-play guys. So we'll see what happens. But it, it's uh, – man, it, it's about as bad as you could imagine when it comes to uh, – Things that notice of allegations and notice of uh, of stuff when you, when you actually go through and you read what all Will Wade was doing, goodness gracious! I, I mean, if you if you were to ever try to give somebody the death penalty, which I don't think would ever happen again, but I mean, you you can you can cripple that program for years to come without saying, yeah, we're going to give you the death penalty. I mean, you could cripple them for years down the road with uh, with scholarship reductions, money reductions. Uh, postseason bans. Um, I don't know if they would ever do another uh, TV ban like we've seen happen before. Um, that seems like that, that seems like something that's kind of gone by the by the wayside. Is the yeah like Auburn? Auburn too much in 90, money involved. Well, because you Auburn had that TV ban in in '93 
when they went undefeated and different things like that. I don't know that you'd ever see a TV ban because that actually hurts the other teams. It's, well, yeah. it hurts the other teams, and I would say it hurts the networks. It hurts That's the true. You know, yeah. If, if yeah. ESPN – like some of these big programs, okay, if you told ESPN you can't put – and no disrespect to someone like this, but you couldn't put New Mexico Athletics on your channel networks. Couldn't put it on ESPN Plus or whatever. All right, <laughs> you're only losing, you know, people's moms and dads listening. That's about it. Right. Uh, but if you tell yeah, LSU basketball pulls, LSU athletics pulls. If you if you take one of the top 25 and 30 programs in one of these respective sports and say hey, you can't show them, they're going to be blacked out, then. You just lost a chunk of people. A lot yep. of people want to check in on LSU. I'm not saying they're the mecca. They're not. But they are one of the better basketball programs in this conference, historically, absolutely. Um, and certainly football. They're very relevant in football. So it's like if you got LSU football or basketball unable to be seen, you're going to lose people uh, watching you. Now, not going to necessarily lose subscribers, but uh, you're going to lose on out on some potential uh, eyes and ears there. So... Uh, I think I think it's TV deals are just too big for that to happen. Yeah, I mean, with Will Wade and LSU, I'm sure they knew this time was coming. And like you mentioned, Tom, it felt like they were kind of being low-key about it for the past couple of years. You really haven't heard much about it. I know some of the callers have been wondering, okay, where's Will Wade? When is he going to finally get his punishment? And punishment came. But for the Tigers, I mean, as far as looking for a coach, you might just have to have an in-house guy it feels like i don't know if anybody is going to want to be within 10 15 feet of that program you might just have to keep it in-house and i know for the ncaa tournament coming up uh their assistant kevin nickel Nickelberry, excuse me will be the interim coach so worst case you might just have to keep it in-house and rely on your name brand um to try to recruit players but then again obviously this is going to hurt recruits like you're not going to get a bunch of top 50 players to come play for your program if you know that hey we're not going to be in the ncaa tournament for a couple of years just letting you know so it's going to be hard to get players to come to baton rouge but for will wade i mean he should have known that this was going to happen obviously smart by lsu to finally fire him because you can't let this keep going on and on and on but it's just a messy situation overall having a bunch of level one allegations five to be exact for will wade and one level two allegation um, so, good riddance. I mean, that's the, kind of the best way I could end it. my little spiel right there is good riddance. Yeah, I don't think any Auburn fan is going to have much sympathy for no. what's going no. on down there. And, and look, maybe consider me naive here. But, you, Tom, you asked what was else you thinking, what was the college basketball world thinking by keeping him. I don't know. They might have thought they were going to get away with it. That's what it felt like. Because maybe yeah. I was naive, but I sure didn't hear anything from the NCAA. I'm waiting on them. And in reality, I can't believe this is what actually happened, but in reality, they were trying to collect every shred of evidence because I think they had decided, all right, we got something big here. Right. We can really punt them if we, if we find enough. And uh, so what actually, it seemed like a no-brainer. Okay, so you got to be charged with something. I mean, are they really going to get away with this? And as time went on, it was actually – no, they're not getting away with this. They're not in the process of that. They're in the process of getting it done even worse yeah. than, than what you originally thought. Because originally, it just like, okay, this is going to be your standard like a year of postseason ban and, and all of that. But you know, if you're just looking, if you're trying to compare some other programs here, Oklahoma State got ineligible for two years. With, with their role. I mean, that's what Mike Boyd and their head coach was talking about, in the pre- and they complied and all that. Auburn here got a self-imposed ban. And remember when those final 
penalties came earlier this year at the start of the year, the committee said, well, really, a second year would have been warranted. Right. But basically, Auburn got away with just one year because they self-imposed it and they cooperated. LSU has not self-imposed jack, and they have not cooperated at all. And what they've done is far worse because Auburn had an assistant coach doing some of this. This was the head coach and that dreaded phrase, lack of institutional control. Right. That is the worst phrase to see if you are in trouble with the NCAA. And it is so bad that they have seven level one violations. Yeah. Like it's not just one count of something bad, it's seven. So they're going to get slammed there. And I just. I, I am not in a position to know what that would warrant, but I can tell you, you have to go with what Auburn got, and that's going to be the absolute floor, and it's going to be worse than the absolute floor. So yeah. at the very least, you got to have at least two years of postseason ban, and then there's going to be maybe more than that. There's going to be scholarships involved, budget restrictions. There's going to be a lot more layers to it than just simple a year sure. and then back to normal. Well, but And the other thing, and just to compare the two, you know, Auburn, Auburn had a couple players that had to sit out for for uh, a year. I mean, well, Daniel Purifoy, uh, and then missed multiple games. Uh, the self-imposed uh, postseason ban, and then yeah, a lot of people were saying, you know, a second year may be warranted. The allegations or what Auburn uh, reported and what they were found guilty of was very less than what is happening at LSU. So the deal at Auburn was an assistant coach that was being paid to steer two current players to sign with an agent. All right, that is against the law. That is against the NCAA regulations. Auburn got punished. Persons got punished for that. Uh, the players got punished for that. That's what happened there. There was no allegations against Auburn or Bruce Pearl or anybody of paying players, paying family members, paying friends, setting up jobs, setting up vehicles, doing all that to get a person to come to Auburn. There's no allegations of Bruce Pearl paying off a girlfriend or an ex-fiance of a player to stay quiet and not report what she knew. There's none of that with Auburn. What Auburn was accused of and found guilty of and punished for was – Bad, but very minor in comparison to what Will Wade was doing. I mean, what Will Wade was doing was straight up cheating. That was cheating the system in 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 recruiting, paying players that 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 is outside the the boundaries in the realm of NIL. But and of course, when that was even going on, NIL was not a thing. But even in today's NIL world, you as a coach and as a university cannot pay a player inducements to come and sign with you the nil deal is separate from the university so will wade is on tape and on text messages talking about paying players now part of the other allegations were the similar same thing to what auburn got in trouble with as far as he was dealing with daryl dawkins a convicted felon to direct players to a a person a particular agent so that's that kind of allegation that LSU had there is similar to Auburn, but this whole thing with paying players and setting up, uh, you know, strong deals for guys to come in and talking on tape about setting up strong deals and and talking about how uh, 
it was apparently, I guess, a player that decided not to go to LSU, and he is sitting there talking about the strong deal that they made for this player, but he didn't take the deal because uh, it it was it was geared more towards the family and not him, and that's why this guy didn't take the deal. And then all the text messages with the fiance or the ex fiance and and paying her off and see that what Auburn did pales in comparison to that. I mean, this is major, major infractions that you just don't see come out very often how much more favorably would you view the ncaa if they're sentencing they said quote we'll give you a strong a offer here <laughs> no, i would just that ah, would be, we're gonna give you a strong a punishment <laughs> <laughs> that would be uh that would be pretty uh pretty wonderful all right let's go ahead and take our first break of our number three, we got to talk some Atlanta Braves. We also got to get to best and worst of the weekend. Maybe the best and worst evolves as the show continues. The worst might have been for you guys just a couple hours ago. I know my best. I have about three bests, and I'm wearing two of them right now. More on that in a minute. This is Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Follow our sports call host, J.J. Jackson, on Twitter by searching at underscore J.J. underscore Jackson underscore. And follow the show on Twitter by searching at Sports Call AU. Hashtag, is that two words? Now back to more Sports Call with J.J. Jackson and the guys. I am not J.J. Jackson, but I am part of the guys, and this is Sports Call on Tiger 95.9, sportscallauburn.com, the Tiger Communications app, or if you're listening after the fact on the Sports Call podcast. All of our Sports Call callers and guests join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Auburn Bank has been your hometown bank for over 110 years. Visit them online at auburnbank.com for more information. Your partner, your neighbor, your friend, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Give us a call and join Sports Call at 334-887-341 locally, toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn Bank is our proud sponsor of the Sports Call phone line. And, guys, uh, just spent some time talking about Will Wade. There's also college basketball coaching carousel we can talk on, but uh, we got to get to some more deep-down Braves talk here with just about 20, 30 minutes left in the program. All right, so Matt Olson was traded to the Atlanta Braves today. He is a very good first baseman from the Oakland <clears throat> Athletics. He's got 35 to 40 home run power. He brings and drives in about 100 runs a year. Not a great hitter for average, 250s in his career, but hit 270 last year. And he plays a gold glove first base. What is wrong with any of that, I ask you? It's because of what we know it means. It means that the former MVP of the league... The man who caught the last out of the World Series last year, Freddie Freeman, is apparently going to no longer be an Atlanta Brave. So how do we respond to this, Mr. Tom Peavy? Uh, with sadness first. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you just say, we mentioned it earlier in the show, right? it's a business, this is part of the business of any pro sports that you just, you hate. Um I, I'm sure that Braves and I'm sure Anthopolis tried to do everything they could to, to secure Freddie Freeman, but I think 
the the things just weren't happening. I think Freddie wanted a little bit, uh, a couple more years, and a little bit more money than the Braves were willing to uh, to do. Um, I think the Braves are looking uh, ahead. They're looking kind of at the future, and, and you know, you take in that business aspect of the money and the money that that frees up. Unfortunately, you lose your veteran, your face of your franchise of the past few years. But you open up money that you're able to do some other things, and you're bringing in a, a, with a trade. You're bringing in a really, really good first baseman. Yes, he's not Freddie Freeman. Yes, he's not the face of the franchise. But I mean, Matt Olson's one of the best first basemen in Major League Baseball. I mean, they, they, this is not a massive drop off in talent. Um, now, it's a massive drop off in veteran leadership and face of the franchise yes major drop there but as far as just on the field it could potentially be okay and it could be okay because you're freeing up the braves to pay some of these other guys like they may be able to get jock peterson back they may be able to get uh jorge soler back i don't think they get them if they make that strong deal with freddie freeman then they're not able to get those guys back and in that whole lineup may look drastically different it still may look drastically different but it sets them up in a better position. Uh, now, the one thing with this is the trade to the A's, and this is the one thing that uh, a lot of people don't talk about. We, me and Ryan, we, we talked about this off the air. So the Braves, uh, the deal was they get Matt Olson. They sent several guys over there, but two in particular, is outfielder Christian Pache and catcher prospect Shea Langoliers. Uh, Pache... He may develop into something, but so Christian Pache was one of those that was supposed to be kind of like the the next Ronald Acuna. I mean, there him coming up through the minor leagues was the Braves' number one prospect. He everybody was just super a lot. Hyped. A lot of Andrew Jones comparisons. Andrew Jones, yeah. sure. Um, a lot of hype over Christian Pache um, as he came up through minor leagues as the Braves' number one prospect. But he just had he he never his time in Atlanta that he spent he kind of he bounced back and forth between AAA and the majors. He just never I don't know the one that could the one that could hurt though is is Langoliers. So Langoliers this past year played at AA Mississippi. I had a chance to watch him play uh, when they came to Montgomery. That is an impressive kid, and he and he is uh, he was listed as the number two overall prospect for the Braves behind Christian Pache, uh, but he's a catcher, big, strong kid, big bat. You kind of think that the Braves here, possibly this year, maybe at least next year, are going to be in the market for a top-notch catcher because you, you got Darno, but I mean, how much more does he have? And then what? Yeah, he's pretty get? old. He's mid thirties. Yeah, I mean, what else do you got in catcher? And you got one of your top prospects in Shea Langoliers sitting there in Double A. Um, I think losing Langoliers might hurt more than Pache because now you're going to have to find a catcher again. Um, so that and then there were some other pitchers. There, there were some pitchers that I've never heard of. I if I have, I just they're not memorable. So there's a couple of pitchers, but mainly Christian Pache and uh, Shea Langoliers going to the A's in trade for uh, Olsen. Um, so that looks like Freeman is going to be gone. Now we just kind of wait and see where Freeman goes. Is it going to be the Dodgers? Is it going to be the Yankees? Is it going to be the Rays? Who's it going to be? But uh, a lot of a lot of teams are going to want Freddie Freeman, and it's going to it's going to suck seeing him in a uniform that's not the Atlanta Braves. I, I just hope it's not the Dodgers. I really hope it's not the Dodgers because they're already good. 
you have to face them when you're the Braves. Fortunately, they're not in the same division, but still, you got to face the Dodgers and any sort of postseason type hope to get back to the World Series. You may possibly have to see the Dodgers again, and you just don't want to see Freddie Freeman sitting over there because, goodness gracious, you. Man, you want to talk about breaking your heart? The guy that you couldn't you couldn't get it figured out with, and then he tears your heart out by beating you. Mm. Oof, I, I that would that'd be hard to stomach. But we'll see what happens. Uh, I, it could end up being a positive for the Braves. That's one thing that uh, Anthopolis is looking at. Uh, Alex Anthopolis, the uh, GM. Uh, you know, I think they're hoping that this is going to be kind of a net positive. You, you hate you lose your veteran face, but. Maybe it works out best. We'll see. I know for um, the Braves, in early talks at least, there were talks that Freeman wanted a six-year contract, but the Braves were only willing to give out a five-year contract. So there was a bit of a stall because of that one extra year. So maybe that's where things kind of fell through for the Braves as far as this Freddie Freeman thing. But looking at Olsen, I mean, this guy that's in his late 20s, he is from the Atlanta area, so he knows at least the area. Um, He's... Obviously, yeah, you're going to lose the veteran type of leadership from Freddie Freeman, but also it just signals that, hey, the Braves don't believe that he's going to be the same type of guy, perhaps age 36, 37, 38. And they think that Olsen's going to be a guy that perhaps they could try to re-sign long-term. And you mentioned this, Tom, as far as re-signing players. Uh, Dansby Swanson is a free agent after next season, so you're going to have yep. to pay Dansby if you want to keep him. Austin Riley, you've got to pay him soon. You're going to have to pay Max Freed soon. So these guys that you've had a lot of team control under, that time's going to run out, and you're going to have to make decisions whether to pay these guys a lot of money or just let them walk for free agency or perhaps trade them if things don't work out. So Anthopolis, we we, we got to trust in him. He's made a lot of great decisions for the Braves literally rehauled the whole outfield last year and we saw how that worked and paid dividends for the Braves in the playoffs on route to a World Series championship so you just got to trust in Anthopolis and see what he believes and envisions for the future but also um, the Langoliers move or move yeah that really does hurt the Braves but also shows that hey they believe in William Contreras to be the catcher of the future and he's had his glimpses when he's been up in the majors like okay this guy is really good he's playing not exactly like his brother, but has traits that are similar to his brother as far as being a super athletic catcher. But I think for the Braves, they're just going to let him chill in Gwinnett all season long, and that's why it's huge that they got a backup catcher in Manny Pena because he's a guy that is a veteran catcher. So you have Darno and Pena behind the plate, and you know you have the emergency in Contreras if things go wrong or if one of those players get hurt. So I think Contreras is going to spend all year down in AAA next year and develop, and we'll see how he comes up in 23. But for the Braves, yeah, it's definitely something that's going to get going to take um, getting used to that. No more Freddie Freeman, a fan favorite, a guy that's been a franchise stalwart for the past 10, 11 years. So it's going to hurt. Um, best of luck to Freddie Freeman in whatever decision he makes. But, man, it's going to hurt if he's Please a Dodger. Please don't be the Dodgers. Yeah. It's going just to hurt. don't be the Dodgers. They just yeah. have everything, it feels like. And you add Freddie Freeman to that roster already, it's they're going to be scary to beat. I mean, it took the Braves, it feels like, eons to finally get over that Dodgers hump last year, but it's like you had Freddie Freeman, and it's like, well, the Braves are still going to have to slay that monster once again, most likely in an NLCS, so it's going to be tough, but yeah, for the Braves, they know that they at least have a guy in Olsen that's a proven commodity, not a guy that's projected to be something, so I think they'll be okay, but yeah, it's just all about for this 
specific offseason trying to fill those holes in as far as a Peterson or Rosario or Soleil and try to get things rolling again, but also realize you have Azuna coming back, you have Acuna coming back as well, and you also have guys like Duvall um, around as well. But, yeah, definitely sad news. Definitely is sad news Freddie Freeman being gone. Tom, I thought you had one more quick thing. Oh, yeah, well, I – uh, have that quick thing. It's it's yeah. totally fine. Um, now, I, yeah, now, now here's what I'll say. I, mean, I had something and I just blinked. Siobhan might have covered it. Um, so I, I think with this, I am not quite as devastated as I thought it would be. In the moment when Olsen got traded to Atlanta and we knew what that meant. Kind of a gut punch. Uh, I yeah. was very upset. Uh, I made inaudible noises. Um, Javon can attest. We were in the same room. Um, As I've thought it over, though, I've got to give Alex Anthopoulos a a lot of credit because I I understand there's going to be some that just say under no circumstance should Freddie Freeman been allowed to leave that organization. I totally get that. But you can't compound mistakes. If you're not going to give the dough – to Freddie Freeman, if you're not going to give him what he was asking, you better find a way to be every bit as good in another form or fashion. And so if you tell me, ultimately, if the Braves, and they need to not be done, and this is why I'm going to present the scenario, if you tell me, we can re-sign Freddie Freeman, but we won't be able to re-sign Jorge Soler, nor Jock Peterson, we'll have to go with a Duvall, Acuna, and Ozuna outfield. And we'll have to figure out, or, or maybe Ozuna is the DH and Heredia is the third outfielder. Right. If you tell me that's the scenario, but with Freddie Freeman gone, here's what I can do for you. I can replace it with Matt Olson, who's about as close to a good replacement as you can get. I will bring back Jorge Soler, and I will bring back either Eddie Rosario or, or Jock Pearson or add someone of that caliber right. to where Guillermo Heredia ain't ever getting in a bat. And where Ozuna can play DH, and you don't have to worry about him out in the field, you don't have to rush Acuna back into the field, then I say, all right. That yeah. that team, because here's the thing. We will always miss Freddie Freeman, but you know what makes him miss miss him a lot less? The team's every bit as good. Yeah. If the team's going back to a World Series. And now, look, that's going to be really hard if he's a Los Angeles Dodger, <laughs> because that series is going to be very difficult. But if the Braves end up coming out of this... Winning another division, going to another World Series at some point in the next year or two, that alleviates a lot of that pain. Sure. And because you already won, last point I'll make is because you've already won one with Freddie, there's no unfinished business. It's not like, man, if we had Freddie one more year, he could have been a part of this or or that sort of thing. You won a World Series in the year 2021, and Freddie Freeman was a big part of that. And so that will always be be cherished. The, the, I, I remembered what I was going to say. Um, Javon, you said, you know, put your trust in, in Alex Anthopoulos. Yes, I 100% agree. You put your trust in Alex Anthopoulos because here's the thing in, in this, and this kind of goes right to what you were just saying. In the business aspect of this, you have to be smart. You, you have to be smart with your money and you have to play that chess game uh, as a general manager. The one thing that you, the one thing that could absolutely dismantle and throw the wheels off something is if you put all your eggs in one basket. 
And then you've seen this happen with teams time after time after time. They put their eggs all in one basket. They don't get the production that they need from other folks. Well, now you've got all this money tied up in one guy, and you can't afford to keep guys that you need. Then you can't afford to get guys that you need to replace them with, and you end up with one stud and a piecemeal rest of the team. Well, Alex Anthopoulos, I think he's very smart, and he's looking ahead. He's looking ahead at the fact of, can we get Solaire back? Can we get Jock Peterson back? We're going to have to try to secure Dansby pretty soon or ship him off potentially. So, yeah, I mean, you know, we're not going to put all of our eggs in this one basket with Freddie Freeman because the future is more important than one guy. And, man, that's such a gut punch to think that, dadgummit, we're losing – the franchise player. We're yeah, losing the our franchise, franchise player. player. But it could potentially benefit the entire uh, team and the organization for future by doing that, by not putting everything into into Freddie Freeman. It frees up so much other stuff. Now, does that end up coming out to be successful? I don't know. I don't have a crystal ball, but that's what Alex Anthopoulos is looking at. He's looking at the future of this organization and, uh, and and past flaws of organizations that have done everything to bend over backwards to secure one guy, and then everything else falls apart, and you have you can't rebuild it. So it may be a smart move. We'll we'll just have to wait and see. And actually, that's something he learned. It feels like in Toronto because when he was with the Blue Jays, it felt like the Blue Jays would always make a blockbuster move, and it's like we got this guy for a billion prospects, and they left the Blue Jays basically with no prospects and. But they were really good, but it was never like over the top really good. They would always lose in the AL wild card or DS. So it just feels like he's kind of learned his lesson and kind of done a 180 in Atlanta where it's like, okay, I really need to harness some of these prospects. And then maybe if everything works out perfectly, I'll make a move for a superstar like he did um, today. But it just feels like this time around for Anthopolis, it's like, okay, I realize Freeman might not be the guy later in his years, but Olsen late 20s i could still perhaps work something out with him still under team control for two years so you get two years to see how he performs and then if things are going great after the two years then maybe you could offer him an extension but if things don't work out you can move on perhaps and try to trade for something else but like say just yeah just gotta trust anthopolis he knows what he's doing and just gotta um keep on trucking um i know that freeman is going to be sorely missed by the braves fans but just got to trust the process, as they say. Just a few minutes left before we got to take our last break of the show today. So we do this each and every Monday. Now time for the best. Woo-hoo! And worst. No! 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 Of the weekend. Since we've just, just got a few minutes, go ahead and, and give me, we'll start with Javon. Go ahead and give me your best and your worst of the weekend. Uh, best, I'd probably just go with um, probably yesterday, I'd say, in Atlanta sports world. Uh, you had Atlanta United win yesterday against Charlotte. They beat uh, the new team in town, Charlotte FC, beat them 2-1. to one, And also the Hawks won. The Hawks uh, defeat the Pacers. And he's trying to climb up to that eighth spot, currently in the ninth spot of the East. So that's definitely my best. Uh, the worst, I'd say, was probably something that's embarrassing that I saw. I believe it was last night. It was between the Grizzlies and Thunder, where both teams came out onto the court in their white uniforms and of course in the nba you're supposed to have you know the 
home in a way. So it's weird because they both literally came out on their in their home attire. So the refs have to go to the scores table and then point to the Grizzlies is like, hey, guys, you got to go to your locker room and get your away uniforms and change them those real quick. But no, it's definitely embarrassing because I would have thought you'd be able to coordinate that pretty easy. Like, hey, we're going to wear these uniforms. And I know that a lot of NBA teams have a billion uniforms these days, but still it should be easy to communicate. Hey, we're going to wear our white uniforms. So don't wear white uniforms. But obviously that message was not, I'd say, communicated well. So yeah, that's definitely my worst of the weekend. Tom, your best and worst. Uh, So best of the weekend was just the announcement. Major League Baseball had gotten their stuff worked out and that we are actually going to be able to play baseball. So I was thrilled with that. I, I love baseball season. I love going to games. So that was definitely thrilling that that guy worked out and we got baseball. Um, worst of the weekend uh, actually uh, came out today. Uh, for anybody that's familiar with the uh, the wrestling world, um, Scott Hall, uh, everybody knew him as Razor Ramon. Uh, he was part of the New World Order in WCW with Hulk Hogan and Kevin Nash. Uh, he is it is not he has not officially passed away, but uh, he uh, he had hip replacement surgery I think a week or so ago and had suffered uh, multiple heart attacks and they had him on life support and um, they're taking him off of life support and they're waiting until the family comes to be with him. Um, so uh, the the wrestling world will lose Scott Hall slash Razor Ramon. Uh, any moment now that that should be announced officially so sad day for the for people like me that grew up watching wrestling and grew up watching razor ramon and those guys so uh yeah that's that's definitely the worst very sad indeed so i've got uh, three best I'm going to take some liberties here and then a worst start with the best that's not ncaa tournament related that is thomas edward patrick brady uh a shorter name would be the goat is returning to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and has made me a very happy Bucks fan after coming to terms with Blaine Gabbert potentially being the starting quarterback quarterback to get Tom Brady back for one more season. I I uh, I went crazy in my living room uh, yesterday evening. Uh, said obscenities in a very uh, very uh, loud way and was very excited. So anyway, uh, very happy Brady's back. All right, the NCAA tournament related best and worst. Uh, best UAB, very proud of them. Triple overtime victory in the semifinals against Mill Tennessee. I was checking my phone as preparing. I was at uh, Jane B. Moore Field getting ready to do Auburn softball, and I kept refreshing, refreshing. I tried to wait in the car to listen, but I went to overtime, and then I kept refreshing the app as I'm preparing to do a pregame interview and just kept going to more and more overtimes. We're just like, please come through. And they did, and then won a Conference USA championship First time in seven years. That's the longest drought UAB basketball has ever had without making the NCAA tournament. That is over. They're going dancing on Friday. Along with that, the final best. This is the first time all of my, in my life, I guess the second time in my life, first time of me being aware of it. Because the only other time this happened is 1999, where the three schools that I follow and root for all made the NCAA basketball tournament the same year. 1999 was the other. But, of course, I'm talking about Auburn, the place that I went to school and graduated from, proud graduate of Auburn University. North Carolina, where my parents attended, had me wrapped up in North Carolina blankets since I could look, since I could breathe into this world. And then UAB, the team that I grew up in the city of Birmingham and, and went to all their basketball and football games. So those three schools, all in the NCAA tournament, and I'm elated. The worst of the weekend um, is – 
that conference tournaments do not matter to NCAA tournament seeding. I'm not going to go on the full soliloquy because we're almost out of time and I need to take this last break. But I will just tell you that it is absolutely asinine that you don't care what happens in neutral site games for a tournament that will happen on a neutral site. (laughs) But it's okay because that December 22nd road game before Christmas break... We care much more about that one. Anyway, that will do it for the best and worst of the weekend. We got one final segment of Sports Call, the Nightly TV Guide, coming up after this. We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all-SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Last minute and a half or so of Sports Call here on this Monday edition, 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Javon Cutler. Real quickly, before the nightly TV guide, we want to announce we are doing a bracket challenge. Sports Call Auburn 2022 is the group name. I'm not sure if we have a prize lined up for that or not. Well, we will have to decide that. But join that group regardless. Sports Call Auburn 22 is the name of it. You'll know it's the group because the group motto says, we all just want to beat JJ. So uh, that's uh, that's the group motto there. So uh, play our bracket challenge. We'll put a, a post on post online about it probably tomorrow and uh, we'd love to have some of our callers and listeners play with us and see how bad we are together at brackets it's always a great time and tradition unlike any other in the month of march all right just about a minute left of the show today our show is about to end but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening here's sports calls nightly tv guide sports calls nightly tv guide brought to you by coca-cola Javon, what we got? Got to race through it real quick, but 6 p.m. Central Time on Paramount, we have The Wolf of Wall Street, a really wild movie. So if you're into that type of crazy, zany action, The Wolf of Wall Street is for you, 6 p.m. Central Time on Paramount. NBA Basketball, 6.45 Central Time on ESPN. You have Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets traveling to the city of brotherly love to face off against Joel Embiid and the Philadelphia 76ers, so a matchup of the two best big men in the league. For those interested in bowling, 7 p.m. Central Time on FS1, we have PBA Bowling. So PBA Bowling is on FS1 tonight, 7 p.m. 8 p.m. Central Time on MTV, The Longest Yard. I believe it's not specified, but I'm guessing it's maybe the most recent one. Starring Adam Sandler would be my guest. So 8 p.m. Central Time is MTV, Longest Yard. And last but not least, Blades of Glory, 8 p.m. Central Time on HBO. So that is the Nightly TV Guide brought to you by our friends at Coca-Cola. Appreciate that, Javon. Had to work on a limited basis right there. That's it. I had to run through it. <laughs> but uh, we appreciate all those who called in and tuned in today. Tom, appreciate yep. you being here. Absolutely. We appreciate Jason Caldwell for being on the show appreciate with us. Jason inside Caldwell. The, inside the Auburn Tigers. Yeah, it's been a fun show. Absolutely. A little I'm bit out of breath. A lot to talk about today, <laughs> and we'll have a lot more to talk about tomorrow, I'm sure. John, appreciate you being here as well. Of course, of course. And uh, for all those that tuned in and called in, we thank you. And again, we thank Jason Caldwell for chatting with us as well. For Tom Peavy and Javon Cutler, I'm Ryan LaVoy. We'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>